Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Prove that I, I can play at that level. Some of my best games were against some of the top teams in the world. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Half past seven on Monday mornings, OTB and the Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. You're very welcome along. We're with you here until ten o'clock. That voice you heard in the background waffling away was our producer extraordinaire, Colin Bowie. Good morning, Colin. How are you saying? How are you? And what a treat this is. Wow, wow, wow. What a <laughs> treat huge. this is. Co host chair this morning, the wonderful Sarah O'Donovan. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning, lads. Welcome. Are we? Wow. I'm a little bit disappointed, lads. Why? Oh. No warning, no hair, no makeup. <laughs> Where's the budget? Yeah, we don't. We I would love you to, to do a two-camera appeal to the company to do hair and makeup would imagine. be fantastic. Can you know imagine well we would look? Can you imagine how much it would elevate us to the next level? I mean, this is how good we look without the yeah, hair this is No, this is sans makeup. Like, that's, yeah, that's Can you imagine with makeup? A 5.30 start deserves It deserves some, powder, some, deserves some help yeah, along the way. Absolutely. It's unnatural for us. Um, I, was, I, was up at, uh, I was up at half four this morning. Yeah, you're a lunatic, like. Yeah. Your love of Manahin knows no bounds. The guy, he drives from Manahin on Monday morning. Sometimes. To make it not every, not every week. Not every week. Yesterday, the Most people go down the night before, see. like, but he's like, just get, squeeze every last drop <laughs> of Manahin juice. Just pour it into my soul, basically. <laughs> the more Manahin I can get into my body on a It's a risky Sunday. game, like, anything could happen with your car, anything could happen with you. It, it, and it has happened with my car you know before, I mean? as you well know. Um, I oh, that was said, a Sunday night. Yeah, well, I just said Stephen could actually jump in there, so there's yeah. no fear. It's true. Like all dulcet tones could actually jump in, it's, it's fine. Yeah, you know. replace the Monaghan ones. That's um, true. Uh, well, I have uh, a question for you, if you don't mind. Oh, fire ahead. How would your bleep test go on Friday? Uh, you had a bleep test. Pretty good compared to an average, so like 12.5. That's good, I think. Which is good, yeah. but it's good for the start of the season, I think. So for context, Shane had uh, the start of his pre-season training with his beloved football club and he's team captain. So his attendance was crucial, it was imperative, because Shane Necessary, did have a social yes. engagement booked for Friday afternoon and he had to cancel as a result of his bleep mm, test. Yeah. Now, the bleep test is the thing that sends fear into every <sighs> single person yeah. who's ever played sport. Oh, yeah. 12.5. Solid, it's solid, solid outing. For the start of a season. Now, it's not an Owen Cody 1-5 mm. in Croke Park style no, effort. No, 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 Because no. as team captain, that's the kind of effort that you need to put in. Yeah, yeah. I know. You just set the standards. But Owen Cody's at the peak of his season. I'm just, you know, pre-season job here. This is like, I, I'll get there. I'd like to think in four weeks if I did another bleep test, I'd be... 16. Much improved. Yeah, well... 16. We'll see. We'll see. Well, how are you at bleep tests? Horrendous. Back of the pack. Did one with David Herity in 2017. And I was so bad that I knew that I was never going to see time, game time. And it, it was deserved. It was deserved. I'd say he went, oh, sweet, mother of divine. It's the noise at the start of the bleep test, you know, the few beeps that it does to warn you that it's about to start. And then it's like, dee, dee. And then everyone, everyone's oh. laughing and joking as they're jogging back and forth. It was like, oh, this is easy. But there's, but some, there's some people who start go, jogging pretty fast at the start. And you're like, they're stupid. you're an idiot. You're an they're idiot. Stupid. You're but an it's idiot. done on a basketball court. So yeah. it's, not, it's yeah. not even game relevant. We used to do an MP in school. How sick is that? Like? Yeah, I know we did as did well. Did you do that? Yeah, yeah. It's sick. Like, like every so often, it's like, why are we, why are we doing this? Uh, sadistic. It was very sadistic. <laughs> Emphasis in the wrong syllable. I love it. Do I not remember Bernard Brogan doing one on the late late? 
Did he? Did he actually? He's broken. Did one on the lately. Jesus. That's an emergency. I think live coverage. It's 9.25pm. We have a cancelled flower or something. Look, we'll get into the hurting of Camogie because Sarah, you are all over Crow Park all over the weekend. However, you sent me a text last night and I lolled. You don't lol much from a text. You don't, especially, you don't actually say lol much in your early 30s. But when you actually lol. Yeah. Uh, you had some great company beside you at Crow Park yesterday. So two random Americans parachuted in just as the ball was thrown in for Claire and Kilkenny. And they gave me life. They oh gave wow. me life. There was two young lads from Kildare next to me and the three of us had the best 75 minutes <laughs> of hurling... It's hard to explain. The The two American lads were so enamoured by the sport. Uh, one was going for the cats and the other guy was going for banner. <laughs> Go banner. Go banner. No, the banner. Like it was banner. just banner. They wanted to know what the um, what uh, mascots were in place and if yeah. these were the Claire Eagles. And I said, no, we have no mascots in place uh, big on penalties they were like when is what? how, how do you get a penalty they must have watched yeah. Madden game there the week before must have, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and defensive that was a really good defensive display <laughs> yeah uh, it was wow it was, this Kilkenny offense today man <laughs> offense wow. defense Cody yeah uh, <laughs> Cody bro Cody yeah uh, and there was a, there was a collision at one point <sighs> what was the description Richie so actually Dermot Ryan on Richie Reid Oh, yeah. The two lads nearly came out over the seat and <laughs> they were like, God, he really trucked him. And I was like... <laughs> That's not freaking trucked him. Yeah, trucked language. him. Yeah, I, I, they were brilliant. So they're actually going to uh, watch the final from the US in two weeks' time. I gave them the Gago link. I spelled it out for them. I was like, Gago. Okay, <laughs> you'll have full access, $15.00. <laughs> you know, and they were like fifty bucks. I was like, "Yeah, fifty bucks for the ticket, lads." Mm-hmm. They wanted to know why we weren't professional. Oh yeah, they wanted question. us to bring it stateside. Yeah, should have got them on the show there. Ah, uh, they were a lot of questions to be answered there. I'd yeah. imagine over over 70, 70, 75 minutes. And you know, the worst part is they got absolutely cleaned. So they obviously had a bet on. You know, they both picked a team. Yes, they were they were against each other. They both had bought the hat scarves and headbands oh, out yeah. the front, oh, yeah. and they reckoned they got cleaned out by the lads at the top of the road <laughs> oh I would say they definitely did he saw them coming a mile away for their strings yeah. a mile away yeah. what part of America were they from do you know good question shout out to them regardless <laughs> I hope they're listening, um, <laughs> they're listening this morning, yeah. by the way if you ever get the time to be right yeah and everyone out there listening the Wham documentary on Netflix is I, sensational I saw, it popped up on me the other day I'm on Black Mirror at the minute it so, is you can drop Black Mirror this only, this only costs you an hour and a half of your time and you'll be happy you spent it what, what's so good about it sell it to me George Michael's a genius like an actual genius a writing genius and the two of them like and they just took on the world to, and they were just school buddies so George Michael joined uh, he joined the school at like a age 11, 12 who's the other one in Wham? Uh, Andrew Ridgely I think is it my, oh my god his name escapes me now just as I, just as I literally watched the documentary because uh, he's gone missing must have been a good documentary if you can't remember his name well, it doesn't matter though it's not about the people really, it's Andrew Ridgely I was right uh, I should have backed myself there he was in school and he was like the cool kid popular kid George Michael came in and he was like real awkward when he was a young fella like, yeah. there was, he wasn't like what he became <laughs> and then the teacher was like this is George Michael what his real name who's going to look after him <laughs> Andrew just, I'll look after him and they ended up creating Wham together I mean that's not unbelievable so basically I didn't realise this like they were just kind of taking the Michael the whole time with Wham but like George was just an incredible songwriter so Andrew was the more popular one and the kind of more charismatic one at the start then George writing all the songs 
and then he just ended up being this incredible songwriter to the point where Ridgely took a back step and Careless Whisper mm-hmm. was released as a single by George Michael not Wham even though he was still in Wham but Andrew Ridgely like you, you'd almost be welling up with pride they were such good <laughs> friends Andrew Ridgely was like you should go for it you should do your solo you should do your solo career and he ran off into the sunset Never really to be seen you, again. You went so corked there. Never really you to be seen. Never, never, <laughs> never, never, again. never really to be seen perfect. again. Yeah. Never really <laughs> so to be seen great. again. Whoa. Multi-millionaire, surfing in Cornwall. Right. What a man, like. And doesn't really do media. Yeah. If we get him on the show too, you had to be there. It'd be amazing. Doesn't yeah. really do much. Um, and you just... Uh, Is he an interesting sport? I, well, I will had find to be there, like, fair enough. No, it would be good, I'd say. Sure, oh, he, tennis. He likes tennis, doesn't he? Who, Andrew Ridgely? No, I thought you were talking about George Michael, sorry. Sure, he's dead. Yeah, I know, but he liked tennis, sorry, past tense. Oh, yeah, yeah. As in, he used to be seen in the, in the Roy Box, wasn't he? Oh, I think so, yeah. Maybe I made that up. Uh, where did you get the time? Uh, it was only an hour and a half Saturday night. I wouldn't even have that time. Although I, I did watch a couple of episodes of Black Mirror, which were yeah. similar length. Exactly, yeah, yeah same thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I have uh, my 2023 playlist on Spotify, and I update songs, I go, and I have three Wham songs in a row now. <laughs> because of Saturday night. <laughs> documentary. Unbelievable. Stephen Doyle put it on to me and I was on Stephen Doyle afterwards as I thank, thank you. Right. Maybe that is actually the detox that I need. Like oh, as, honestly, in, right. as in 13 hours in Croke Park over oh, two God, days yeah. and all you can see is the stewards, you know, directing you in yeah, and out. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. maybe that's honestly, actually that. what I, I need to do I today. I got burnt yesterday. You'll see the look at the state of this farmer's town. You mightn't be able to see that too well on <laughs> camera, but I went to leave the house yesterday for the athletic rounds in Armagh yeah. for the All Ireland Minor football final. Monaghan losing to Derry unfortunately for Monaghan uh, by 7 points Derry brilliant by the way uh, dominant in possession the 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 big, biggest downpour I have seen in years the heaviest rain thunderstorms thunder and lightning leaving the house like literally soaked on the run to the car and it's not a long run to the car and then I mean literally then just the sun came out it was roasting hot got burnt in my face and my arm I was like this is like ridiculous just couldn't predict what weather it was going to be yesterday around Armagh Monaghan area but Monaghan never lost, regardless. I don't know, did they miss a trick yesterday? Because I don't remember them announcing in Crow Park even the winner of that game. Mm. Like, these mm. games are supposed to be connected. This is a community. Yeah. And I was there from one o'clock yesterday till... There was no... Stuart I don't saw it on your man's social media, to yeah. be honest. And to be fair, part of, there was a lot of talk in the build-up that these minor lads should have been allowed the opportunity to play in Croke Park in the mm. final. But, I, but when I was there yesterday, like, the place was packed. It was an unbelievable atmosphere. So I kind of understood the, the I don't rationale. I think it's it's not even the issue with where it was played. Yeah. It's the fact that it wasn't connected in. Yeah. So even if at halftime they had flashed up with the report Score. from the game, yeah. there's big screens in Croke Park, it would have just connected the 50,000 yeah. people that were there yeah. to the game. Because usually the minor football and hurling finals are fairly well publicised, but mm. obviously it's yeah, kind of changed. I don't know, is the, is the hurling final down for Croke Park? I'm not sure. I'll figure that out. Uh, on the way between, Hurling final. Oh, the minor hurling final. That's done and dusted. It's done and dusted. Well, there you go. Was it in Croke Park? No. See, like, I get, I get the rationale behind the provincial grounds from a fan's perspective, but it would be nice for those players to have the experience of Croke Park maybe once off. I never got to play in Croke Park myself, so maybe it's just my um, living my dreams vicariously through these young players. Uh, on the way between now and 10 o'clock, the performance rankings in just a second. Seamus Hickey will join us from 8 o'clock to give us the Limerick perspective. Uh, Limerick, obviously, in a fourth final in a row. 8.25am, Aidan Taggy Fogarty, the former <laughs> Kenny. I did call him Taggarty about 14 times the last time he was on. 
So that's the, the laughs in the background. Taggy will give us the uh, the Kenny um, backdrop after yesterday's performance. Uh, Vinnie Perth from around the 50 give us the League of Ireland. Of course, heading into a European break now for the League of Ireland. Alan Quinlan then from 10 past 9, the Irish under 20s into the World Championship final where they will play France. And then a classic crappy quiz on the way for you from half past 9. But it is time at 7.41am on this Monday morning's O2 AM for the performance rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is it just lack that intensity. OK, Sarah, 13 hours in Croke Park, and we're going to start in the red with a couple of losing performances from the weekend. Sure, OK. I'm starting with Claire. OK. Mm-hmm. Kilkenny... Rain at, come out winners 125 to 122 mm. but for me Claire Brian Lowen potentially could be the one in the red as opposed to Claire mm. that first half yeah. that decision to play Shane Amore as a sweeper trying to explain that to American lads <laughs> midst game trying to explain it to the country was hard <laughs> enough yeah and before Christmas, lads, I was in Croke Park with you guys uh, for Ballyhale Shamrocks, Ballygunner and Dunloy matches, right? And Richie Reid had the run of Croke Park that day and he was pinning passes around Croke Park and I was so adamant with Ashing O'Reilly that I couldn't figure out why they'd give Richie Reid the run of Croke Park. Mm. And Brian Lowen, Brian Lowen did the same yesterday and it allowed Claire, or sorry, it allowed Kilkenny to have such good restarts yeah. and allowed them to pick out pockets of space and it continued for 35 minutes. So it clearly wasn't working. And Brian Lowen didn't make the change. Yeah, took too long to, to do something about it, didn't they? Yeah, but see, Maury was just so adrift. He wasn't getting across. And I know I'm being very technical here now. But my point is, it was glaringly obvious for 35 minutes that this sweeper system that wasn't necessary yeah. shouldn't, shouldn't have been in force. And Clare played into Kilkenny. Yeah, they, like Clare changed how they've been playing the championship, but presumably because they were spooked from what happened last year. Like they were absolutely hammered at half time last. It was only five points in it this time. Like, was the sweep? Was the choice play more in the sweeper system? Was that the losing of the match? Because there was only five points in it at half time, and then Clare ended up going two points ahead but midway through the second half. This wasn't this wasn't the team that played last year. This was a different team that Clare had. This is my frustration with it. Dave McNerney looked to be flying fish. John Conlon was available. Um, you had David Fitzgerald, Cahill Malone. You had Ryan Taylor. You had Mark Rogers. Mm. This was a different Clare team. They shouldn't have been looking backwards. They shouldn't have been looking at what happened last year. Claire had come on leaps and bounds from that. Every commentator to this point this season had said this is a different Claire team. Yeah. So to be spooked by what happened against Kilkenny last year was naivety beyond the extreme. And Brian Lowen is in the red, not Claire. But so when they went man for man in the second half, much improved, but Kilkenny still won the game. So why is that? Do you think? The goalkeepers yesterday were incredible. Both of them, yeah, brilliant. But. Ivor Quilligan made a massive error and it was punished immediately by TJ Reid and finished off expertly by Owen Cody. So as much as, you know, you can say that Kilkenny, you know, were ice in the veins. Yeah. Ultimately, Clare made too many mistakes to to win an All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah. And he, like Owen Cody, you mentioned, like even in that first half, that uh, battle with Rory here is the three points from play in the first half. You're thinking, this guy is on form today and just goal, like everything about his performance yesterday, including the second half. And there was a moment in the second half yesterday, I think it was when Clare went two up, 
where every little foul, everything was getting the fist pump, it was getting the crowd on, on side, and you're thinking, right, momentum here, massively with Clare. But then the goal happens. Exactly. You know, so so my issue, I suppose, is that in that first half, Clare were getting blocked down, mm. Kilkenny were working so hard. Actually, the Conor Fogarty uh, save yeah. happened right I'm in back. front of me. Yeah. Right in yeah. front of me. Um, you know, uh, everything that, er, don't get me wrong, Kilkenny absolutely fully deserved the win, mm-hmm. but Clare made too many mistakes. And when I say too many, they probably made too, too many mistakes to, to deserve to win the game. You see, I think Galloway are fully deserved to be in the red and we'll get to them. But mm. I, I think uh, even Lowen, like he corrected the mistake at half time. Like, I don't know if he should be in red because he, he, they were absolutely annihilated. No, 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 no. So it wasn't Tony, Tony Kelly didn't score last year and he was like, we need, we need to do something. Tony here Kelly to scored it. a point today at, at one stage in the first half. Uh, Mikey Butler took off and Tony Kelly was marking Mikey Butler yeah yeah. Now stop it lads like that's an unbelievable point he obviously he pulled deep. away but, but Brian Cancanon was deep for Galloway on Saturday and he performed very well like you know there, there was ways around it I, I see I thought Clare were good I thought they played very well yesterday and but for the, and but the most extraordinary saver ever like half. you could see at Crow Park they could have won that game well, it's the volley the first. first. Let yeah, but the second half yeah but with that, like, what I'm saying in the first half was the, the positioning that we had behind the goal where Jareed was so obviously free. There was so, there was too many bodies inside there. This was the issue. Shane Amore is up the other end. The, there was way more space in the Kilkenny um, inside line. So mm-hmm. it wasn't even working. Clare weren't even clogging up the space on the other side. Yeah. But from the point, vantage point of Shane O'Donnell, he had so little space because Richard Reid was playing that position so well. So I think Brian Lowen didn't get it right. And we'll come to Limerick later on what they did yeah. well. Limerick were in trouble after 25 minutes. Nicky Quaid pulls yeah. a fast one and yeah. Kinnert gets the message in. Mm-hmm. Limerick go from six points down to one point down before half time. So Claire could have made a switch 20 minutes in. Well, once they went in, the first three minutes of the second half, then they score three points. First quarter, they outscored uh, Kilkenny. I was at one eight to three points in the first 18 minutes of the second it, half. They were relentless in that, in that third quarter. So why couldn't that have happened 20 minutes in? Yeah. It was as plain as a nose on my face. Can I ask you, and I know you're both Cork people, the referee yesterday was from Cork, Cullum Lions, mm-hmm. um, and there was a moment in the second half where Duggan makes the catch, launches the ball in, they score the goal, it's pulled back for the advantage and yeah. the free. That wasn't the only maybe issue. qualmer issue that, yeah. that Clare fans might have had yesterday. Like, was the referee's performance sub Yeah, he blew, he blew up too early, but a bit like um, Ireland's disallowed goal against France last Thursday night, like the, the French goalkeeper stopped, so the finish was easier, and I think the Kilkenny players stopped a bit too because the Possibly. whistle was blown, so I don't think it's, I don't think it would have played out like that. I think Tommy Walsh said it to Joe yesterday on with ourselves, saying like, if the ref didn't blow for that free and the ball went in as a 50-50 challenge, then the Clare fans would have also gone mad well, if yeah. Kilkenny had won it. So I think it's easy to say in hindsight. Yeah. And also there was a long long way to go after that. But that's not the issue, I think. I think yesterday my frustration with, with Lions was constantly putting up the hand and then putting down the hand and putting up the hand and putting down the hand. The game wasn't allowed to flow. At one stage in the first half, Mikey Butler and Tony Kelly share uh, like a moment, we'll say. You know, one's on top, the other's on top, yeah. one's on top. And then the free is given out. Mm. Mikey, Butler, Mikey Butler gets an opportunity... Tony Kelly should have had, you know, should have been allowed to to win the ball and play the ball. Instead, Mikey Butler gets a free out. That was a massive momentum change because the frustration on Tony Kelly's face at that moment, it was clearly the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. There was a charge on John Conlon. He's on, on the field, ground. Wasn't it? Yeah, he's f- he's flat on the ground and, you know, 
the the decision wasn't to change the free. It was for for TJ Reid to pop over a, a handy free. But clearly, John Conlon had been injured. There were so many instances in the game where Colm Lyons didn't seem to be in control of the game. Did you think uh, Kilkenny got too many soft threes or were most of them legitimate? Because TJ Reid doesn't need help. Like That was the one pity in the game, actually, that TJ Reid had so many frees yeah. that yeah. it was like, you'd, you'd love to see the frees taken away and these two sides go head to head. My issue was that I felt Cullum was misjudging kind of the stuff that was going on in the background between Clare and Kilkenny. Kilkenny are well able to leather it into teams yeah. and, and do it covertly, we'll say. And he was just very technical on what Clare were doing to Kilkenny, but he wasn't astute enough to see that Kilkenny were masters of the dark arts yesterday off camera. Yeah. I'm just mindful before we move on that we have to highlight the two most amazing moments you're ever likely to see. Like the Peter Tuggan, as you call it, the Vaddy shot at the end, and Owen Murphy's save. Oh. Like I was watching on TV and I just made this like involuntary noise, like, ah, yeah. like, huh? what? How do you do that? I just thought I hit the bar directly. And then um, Shane O'Donnell's goal. Yeah, I mean, what, 63 minutes? Yeah. He loves that Hill 16 end, yeah. doesn't he? And even his high fielding in the first half, but that goal, like. It, 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 the, goal, it, the save was so good afterwards that the goal is actually the second biggest yeah. highlight I, for me like everyone in the stadium was enthralled for the last 10 minutes I, I know I said I was in Croke Park for 13 hours <laughs> yesterday but if it had gone to extra time you wouldn't have minded I yeah. would have <laughs> held on to my seat I'd have taken my seat home yeah, like I was yeah, yeah. S- yeah and when the volley right happens right you're like okay that that, that is inch perfect yeah. there is nobody stopping that yeah. that is and then there's this mo- the whole stadium goes silent mm-hmm. really weird deathly silent it's like where's the ball eerie eerily silent and then Owen Murphy cat like flicks the ball up over the bar and we have that. we have a moment of for the oh. ages it was like the, I remember being at the Cork Limerick semi in 2018 was with Nicky Quaid we made that safe why like, are you bringing that up today <laughs> sorry to bring that up guys and surrounded by two Cork people why are that. you bringing that up today <laughs> I, firstly yeah firstly I just have to say Peter Duggan's volley yeah amazing piece of skill stunning stunning piece of skill and I thought he was excellent yeah all through the game um, some massive catches yesterday dogged work rate finding spaces when there wasn't genuinely space to be got but to be undone by Owen Murphy and that Kilkenny performance <sighs> ridiculous we'll talk about Kilkenny later because needless to say they're in the green they are before we move on from the red what do we say about Galway like uh, same old same old like it, 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 the game kind of went as expected but although in the first half Galway I guess would be pretty pleased with how things were were playing out but Limerick's intensity was just on another level so in that first 25 minutes and Willow Dunhu's sitting back centre back and he's clearly struggling mm. the communication piece isn't working Barry Nash is having a figure <laughs> behind him Barry Nash doesn't know where to stand yeah. and all I can think of in that moment is why hasn't the camera panned to Declan Hannan because surely yeah. he is going absolutely bananas, saying, lads, I've, you know, I've been with you for so long now, surely one of you noticed what I do in a game. <laughs> because it was yeah. so obviously not what was required from that position. Credit to Will O'Donoghue. Yeah. Second half difference. Oh, ma- well, 25 minutes in. Yeah. Massive, massive, massive change. Um, they went, I suppose, the work rate did increase massively. You know, they there was a number of things that changed after that I suppose first horrendous 25 minutes but from Galway's point of view they looked like they had ran out of petrol lads midway through the second half they around the 50 minute mark and I thought Keane Lynch actually was impeccable for Limerick and mm. 
he, it took him a while to get into the game but in that third quarter I sound very American in that third quarter he was exceptional the amount of ball that he picked up When you mention Brian Lohan in the red like is there an argument Henry Shefflin so Cork had the two men inside and then I think Limerick maybe just scored two, two points in a row I, I felt there was nothing really to worry about it was just a couple of quick uh, Limerick points in a row and then he changes to the one uh, one up on the inside line and then the game just changed I'm not like I'm not sure Shefflin got his in-game management right two weeks ago I spoke about him having his best day in the Galway jersey or Galway management mm. seat against Tipperary and I felt like the template that he played against Tipperary he seemed to try to apply to Limerick which was probably the naive thing to do because even you know Glennon for Galway yeah. Playing for you know forty forty five minutes and then then bringing in Tom Monaghan, yeah. it was just it it was very Groundhog Day same same yeah. and predictable, massively predictable. And then you know Jason Flynn's not available; he's injured, so there wasn't that Walter Walsh style presence coming in late on to give Limerick any kind of pressure. And then the third part was obviously the bench. Shefflin had nine months to deliver a bench for Galway mm. and we had spoken in the championship the Leinster championship about how they were kind of at their ease finding these players to come through to come on two options came on yesterday for Galway in scoreable options Conor Cooney and Liam Collins neither of them was effective yeah. so maybe Henry and Brian deserve to be in the red yeah, I think so the post-match they're trying to give Shefflin a lot of credit actually to his face and he was he was actually turning down the credit saying no it's, it, it doesn't feel like progress it feels really disappointing and like another highlight from the week Colin Mannion's goal was like the passing of Cooney's pass inside oh, to Mannion and the goal from the tight angle he should never have down. tried that shot you know? I was thinking this is this is a low percentage effort yeah, like the take, low a, percentage take a point shot. what a goal it was a stunning goal great first, great first 25 as you say yeah great first 25 minutes but I actually and interestingly Tough, tough question put to Joe Canning um, on the panel yeah. after the game. They, he was asked, you know, does he back Henry Shefflin to stay on next year? And Joe said, Henry Shefflin is the greatest player of all time. Of course, we want him in charge. I think that's a big statement from somebody of yeah. Joe Canning's calibre in Galway. It probably takes the pressure off a little bit in that Henry knows that he has that kind of backing. Yeah. It would have been a different scenario if Joe had said maybe... He's not the play- he's not the manager for us. I think it'd be a bit premature to say that he needs to go. Like you're playing against a generational team here. Oh yeah, it's one of the sure. best sides ever. Yeah. So interestingly, the Galway team that lost the minor All Ireland this year was heavily fancied from under twelve. My sources say right. right. Big shock that Clare undid them right. But if that team has been together for the bones of six seven years and there's real quality there. Those are the players that need to come through to under 20s and those are the players that you'd be hoping to see in the next two years and no better person than Henry Shefflin to work with a group yeah. that is inev- unequivocally talented. Yeah. And, and you know, that's, I suppose, what the bonus is and we'll talk about the under 20 rugby team later and what's coming through but in the same breath, if Henry hangs on and this group of players delivers in the way that people say they can, Maybe it's not all doom and gloom for Galway this morning, despite yeah. being in the red. Despite being in the red this morning. Also in the red, we have Kilkenny Camogie, one point defeat to Cork. I'm wearing my Cork top this morning. Notice okay. that. Yeah. You're Look, both, well, you're wearing maroon, Colin, but yeah, close enough. Look, yesterday in Croke Park, I suppose the, the manner of the victory mm. probably summed up Kilkenny season. I've been watching them since February. I was in Parnell Park at the start of the year when they played Dublin in the league. 
they weren't motoring that day. They weren't motoring against Wexford in the first round of the championship this year. Um, Wexford came back from 10 points down to draw level. Mm. They only managed to draw against Tipperary last week. Their season never kicked into gear. And yesterday, when they needed a kick against Cork, they didn't get it. And the refereeing yesterday for Cork was an issue as well. So Cork had two penalties denied yesterday. Referee got out of dodge yesterday because if Kilkenny had won that game, there would have been a massive issue with the fact that Cork were denied two penalties, especially so late on. Um, I would say from Kilkenny's point of view, they'll look back at the season overall, not just at that game yesterday and say, we weren't at our pitch and we deserve to be in the red. There's obviously a heavy focus put on the protests at the moment um, in, in the Camogie and the, the ladies' football especially. And uh, certainly in this game, it was highlighted, I think. It's fair to say, Sarah. Bit of confusion at the start of the game. So the two teams were given the option to come out with the Unite for Equality t-shirts on, uh, puck around before the game with them on so that they'd be visible for, for the TV. And then they were given the option of either staying on the pitch and taking off the t-shirts on the pitch or going back into the dressing room to take off the t-shirts. Cork chose to go into the dressing room. Kilkenny chose to stay on the field and have their chat at um, pitch side. But what it looked like, because an explanation wasn't forthcoming beforehand, it looked like they weren't united for equality. And I suppose there was a lot of conversation on Twitter and there was a lot of conversation on the airwaves and on the commentary that you know, was this a break from the protests? Mm. And I suppose the clarification was given by the GPA after, no, this wasn't a break from the protests. Both sides were given the opportunity to decide at what point they would go into the pitch or what point they would stay, you know, on the pitch. So Kilkenny, unfortunately, I suppose, have are unlucky in that they've been tarred by a communication error yeah. on the part of the GPA because I suppose we're unsure as to whether or how this protest is going to escalate. Um, and on Saturday, we thought there was going to be a bigger protest. We thought the girls were going to turn up to Croke Park wearing mm. shorts instead of squirts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine explaining that one to the Americans. <laughs> um, and they didn't. You know, they, they had kept quite, I suppose, uh, formulaic in what they've done in the last few weeks. Yeah, I would so like. the, I, you're asking me about the protests and whether they're effective? Not if everyone's not united. <laughs> but I suppose they are united. You know, it's just they were given two options and one went one way and one went yeah, the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less options, the better. Yeah, but I suppose my point on, on Saturday, and I was in the studio on Saturday yeah. with Joanne Cantwell, and Joanne had asked me, you know, what what are you looking for? And I explained what the minimum standards that the teams were looking for. And then she looked down at the stadium and she said, the place is empty. This is the first time Antrim Arena in All-Ireland quarterfinal in 40 years. Why aren't women supporting women? Yeah. And she's right. My issue is that the spectacle isn't as good as the hurling spectacle right now. And I suppose women are choosing to go to the hurling games that are on at the same time as the camogie matches. And it's... Which is another issue altogether. The timing of the games. Yeah, yeah but but if there was 10,000 women in Croke Park yesterday watching the men's hurling. Yeah. And the, we've all paid 50 quid a pop. So that's half a million euros. I think if you polled every woman who went out of Croke Park yesterday and said... You had a great day in Croke Park today. You've given 50 quid. Do you mind if the GA Sivens off a percentage of that to mm. the improvement of women's sport? I think we would. you'd be hard-pressed to find a woman in Croke Park yesterday who wouldn't say, Jesus, of course, mm-hmm. give the women a few bob. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you exactly. know, I, I can't play hurling. 
you know, so I, I can't benefit from the GA. Mm-hmm. But I've given my 50 quid yesterday and, you know, we're, if we integrate, is that not what's going to happen anyway? Yeah. So no. if 2024 is the year to do it and the money's there, then maybe we need a bit of forward thinking yeah, from absolutely. the GA. Fully agree. Uh, it was a strange one, certainly at the weekend with that game and, and a one-point defeat, as we said, for Kilkenny against Cork. Uh, on to the amber, we have the tennis. Right. Now... Uh, a little snippet there, Liam Brodie um, talking about his mum not being able to mm. um, watch the games. And I'm wondering, parents put so much time into these games. I know. And then they can't even watch the games for the nerves. Yeah. But he coolly says, mum, don't worry about it. I 80,000 euros this week That's or 80,000 pounds. Yeah, it's class. Yeah, That's in the back huge. pocket. Huge for parents like that, like who were low ranked. That's massive money. Like that, that helps him stay on the tour for another while. Can you explain to us why Wimbledon is in the amber as opposed to green or red? Yeah, amber. Well, the amber. The negative reason is there's it's a lack of star quality this year. So you have like no Rafael Nadal is injured. Obviously, Roger Federer and Serena Williams have retired in the last year. Andy Murray got knocked out Friday night against Stefano Tsitsipas. Naomi Osaka's on maternity leave, and Emma Raducanu is injured as well. So all the biggest names. Nick Kyrgios pulled out the night before the tournament. So literally the biggest stars in the world, with the exception of Novak Djokovic, aren't playing. Having said that, you've had some great matches in the last week. Coco Goff against Sofia Kennan. Mm. Two Sitsipatches matches in a row against Dominic Team and then Murray. And then yesterday uh, was unbelievable on the women's side. Remember that Iga Sviantek, world number one, saved two match points against Belinda Benchett. She won the Olympics. Uh, first time she's ever got to a quarterfinal of Wimbledon, believe it or not, even though she's world number one and a four-time Grand Slam winner. And then the, probably the highlight then was Alina Svitolina from the Ukraine against Victoria Azarenka from Belarus last night in court one. Uh, Svitolina won that in the final set tie break she said before the tournament started she won't shake the hands of anyone from Belarus or Russia nothing against the people but it's because of the war uh, Azarenka after the match just gave her a thumbs up to save the awkwardness and then Azarenka got booed off the court by the fans who I think <laughs> misunderstood the situation and Azarenka was actually doing Svitolina a favour also Svitolina um, gave birth to her first child only last October so it's a phenomenal achievement to win that match against Azarenka former Grand Slam champion Svitolina has been to two Grand Slam semi-finals, but she said this was the highlight of her career because right. of everything that came with it. So look, it's a mixed bag, lack of star quality, so the casual fan might not be that interested. But the matches are actually very good. Uh, I made the argument when we were texting yesterday the performance records that the Derry Miners should be on the greens. So just uh, put, uh, we'll put that forward. The Derry Miners were brilliant yesterday in that uh, All Ireland final in, in the athletic grounds. Uh, Limerick and Kilkenny, I know, are way over time, so maybe we'll get yeah, we'll get back to that, get back to that yeah. very shortly because we have Seamus Hickey uh, standing by very yep. shortly, and we have Taggy Fogarty as well to dive uh, deeper into the. American Kilkenny performances uh, but uh, Sarah the Irish in the 20s in the rugby brilliant 31-12 victory four tries Richard Murphy must be absolutely delighted with the team um, a little gutted that Brian Gleeson chose rugby over <laughs> hurling another guy gone to the dark side yeah, uh, we lost Darren Sweetnam a, a number of years ago and Tommaso Larry so yeah I, I, I think for, for this group and with what's coming with the World Cup in October there's a real momentum with Irish rugby and it's going to be incredibly exciting, exciting for that group of players to know that there's a, a, a pathway for them to play world-class rugby and they're now delivering on a world-class stage before that point. Yeah, 100%. And it's amazing. I was actually watching the French and English semi-final. England went w- ahead very early on in the game and then France came back and stormed back. So it's going to be an Ireland-France uh, final in that under-20s. Uh, just the second time as well, Ireland have been in the uh, World Rugby Under-20 Championship final. Uh, that was an emphatic win uh, against the host of Africa. So, yeah, very patient and mature display from them. And deservedly in the green, that is your performance rankings for this Monday morning. OTBAN's performance rankings. 
yet just gone 8.05am on this Monday morning's O2BM, the sports breakfast show from Off The Ball with myself and Sarah O'Donovan this morning, Colin Buhick as well with us there. Uh, Brayburn Coffee, I should say as well, is your official coffee partner of OTB. Brayburn Coffee is coming to an Apple Green near you. New Brayburn locations are popping up every month, so visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn Coffee experience. Up next, we'll have Seamus Hickey talking Limerick. OTB AM. Yeah, 8.08am on this Monday morning's OTB AM, the sports breakfast show on Off The Ball with myself, Shane Hannon, and Sarah O'Donovan on this Monday morning. Delighted to welcome to the show now to uh, dive deeper into the weekend's hurling, the former Limerick star Seamus Hickey. Good morning, Seamus. How are things? Good morning, folks. Good, thanks. Thanks for playing. I'm sure you're very good after that weekend. Um, wonderful weekend's action. We'll, we'll, we'll get to you on, on Saturday's game, of course. Uh, 224 to 118 victory for Limerick over Galway. Um, what was the turning point in this one for you, Seamus? I mean, I guess we were chatting this morning about the 25th minute. Nicky Quaid takes his little mini timeout. I'm not exactly sure what the what the injury was. I'm sure he was he was very badly hurt, but um, it just allowed John Kiley, I suppose, some instructions onto his half forward line at that point. So, was that the moment at which the get the tide turned? I don't I don't think so. I think it was probably when Mike Casey uh, stopped the ball on the line. Uh, Galway had a real really good goal chance. Mm. They were two two twelve to one six up. Or there were there were six points up. There were one twelve to one six up at that stage, and my Casey's intervention for me was was huge. Um, you know, Galway go nine points ahead at that stage. You're t- you're talking about testing the resolve of the Limerick team that you know to that point hadn't looked anyway cohesive. So no, that to me was huge. Yet no, Nicky, I, I believe uh, you know that was pro- that was important to kind of calm things down. I think Galway, you know, really were. On, on a, I suppose, a string of, of, of you know, pushing the the gap out to six at that stage was was big, but for me, even with that, um, if, if Mike Casey didn't get his early there, uh, was the last man on the line. So, Seamus, can me. I just ask? Right, I I was saying earlier that for the first twenty five minutes, Will O'Donoghue looked very uncomfortable, right? I agree. And I said there was no shot, you know, panned to Declan Hannon, you know. Uh, was can you imagine Hannon sitting there going, lads? You know what? What have you done? I've played this role. Has anyone ever watched what I've done? You know he must have been jumping out of his seat with frustration. Uh, listen, so in the after twenty minutes in the first step, so I, I took I took my three kids up there, right? So and I was sitting there, and my stomach was in knots after twenty minutes uh, mm-hmm. because I just felt that this team, the, the Limerick team, the way it, it just it wasn't settling. Keen Lynch was getting on ball and it just wasn't sticking to his hand. It was falling out of it. We'd Garot hitting wide. We'd wides come from six, seven different players in the first half. It and even Dermot Burns freeze, who I you know I thought Dermot was getting more consistent as a ball striker as time was going on. He had missed uh, you know a free that I'd have expected him to score. Yeah. So you know it's uh, it, after twenty minutes, it was not a comfortable place to be. I think Willow Donahue as as six. I think he genuinely gave everything he had. Um, but there was a, there was one instance in the first half. Keenan Fahey just took off uh, from the centre on a puck out and found himself on his own uh, under the Cusick stand, yes. and he was picked out uh, by Anna Murphy. And I just, you know, they, that to me, I was like, well done, Keenan Fahey, for knowing knowing that Willow Dunn who doesn't play six off uh, for intercounty hurling. Like so, for me, um, I thought Galway were superb in the first half. I, I really do. Um, I thought Brian Concan was was exceptional around the middle. I thought they got their their tactics right when they withdrew the man. Um, Limerick were trying to mark uh, Conor Whelan with two people, and it didn't. It ended up with neither of them marking him. So yeah, because Barry Nash was the issue there. Yeah, did you? I, I felt Barry didn't know his role when Declan wasn't there either. 
Yeah, so it, for, it, it's to me the spare man should very obviously be Barry Nash, I think. Um, but when I saw Mike Casey was trying to play Conor Whelan from the front, and then you had either you had Dan Morrissey trying to play him from behind or Barry Nash, it was a, it was to me it looked it looked wrong, uh, and, it, and it looked like it looked like a team when when they have a spare man not knowing what to do with it, and that's unusual for Limerick, I, I, like they've had it before. Um, I just think they were probably very nervous and, and, and rightly so about Conor, Conor Whelan and his influence on the game too. You spoke about uh, Keen Lynch's influence, right? And I suppose in the first half, I'll agree with you, he was very, uh, he wasn't himself. But in the second half, he seemed to sit much deeper um, and he came right back into midfield and he was very comfortable there and he was picking up a lot of ball. Um, that was a very good tactical, I suppose, move by by Kinnerk to see that that's where he needed to go to to support Will. It, it's funny that so Darren Donovan shone for me in midfield yesterday because Willow Dunn who wasn't there, and I think you know if you want to know what Willow Dunn who brings to your midfield, um, you probably saw the, the effect of that switch of Keane, who's probably a bit more attacking, probably set on. The opposition 65 a bit more. I think I agree with you in the second half. He sat far more, I suppose, towards the Limerick goal, uh, probably on their own 65 and a bit further. And that's, and he reveled in the physical exchange changes in the, in the second half. Really, really loved it. Uh, and so Keane, you know, he's a, he's a class midfielder. He's a probably an all-star midfielder if he wants to be. Um, but that Willow Donahue, Darrow Donovan pairing has been so good, uh, for so long that, Changing anything means that you have to adjust, and there's there's a settling period for everything. And I and I believe that they'd settled in the first half. I knew that they would because this isn't this this isn't 2019. 2019 was a very very different team and a, a, a more inexperienced team in the semi final against Kilkenny, uh, where they never settled into the game, and they, they they were chasing it right up until that deflected ball. That, that, that You're talking about ball. settling into the game there, right? And the- I suppose the the two weeks lead in we knew Declan Hannon wasn't going to be playing a very astute move by John Kiley to put him out front and centre two weeks ago to say look he's not on the table this isn't going to be a Conor Cleary situation where he's going to be there till the last minute you know is he or isn't he so I'm surprised they took that long to settle because they've you know this change was two weeks in the making so this is where this is where the kind of the narrative around the the, the infamous training games, you know, the 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 best game in the country is Limerick's A versus Limerick's B, mm-hmm. and ten years ago it was Kilkenny's A versus Kilkenny's B. You know what I mean? It's so this is where so, so you you can do your very best to replicate championship conditions, mm-hmm. but um, did they replicate Brian Concannon in the middle of the field loose for puckouts? Did they replicate uh, the space inside? And, and can you replicate? a Connor Whelan inside in the full forward line. I don't I don't think you can. So like yeah. in all the things you can recreate in preparation and you do have two weeks of getting a an individual playing centre back, but you 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 can't perfectly recreate or create the the conditions that you're going to be playing against and especially the team. So, you know, for me the first half, yes, Limerick, Limerick didn't settle into the game, but, but Galway were really, really good and hitting the mark really accurate, no wasted chances in the first half. Uh, and you know, I, I was nervous uh, as a Limerick person. So, yeah, it, it was it was bizarre for me to see the second half then go from an intense, competitive game in the first ten minutes of the second half, where it was really physical. We had seven line balls in a row <laughs> because yeah. it was it was like it was like both teams trying to find touch. Uh, at some stage, they thought they were playing the under twenty World <laughs> Cup, I'd say, but it it was. 
it, it, it was bizarre for me then to to, to see that that, that Galway fell away because they were they were posing such a threat and a genuine challenge that for me it was very odd in, in the in the second half when when they when they really did just fall away. Did something change, Seamus, with um, Limerick's approach to Ian Murphy's puckouts? Because, like, they were obviously working early early doors, but then in the second half, I don't know, was it just intensity? But I, I'd say from Ian Murphy's perspective, he was like looking out onto that pitch, thinking, "Where are, where are my teammates?" Because it just looked like there were maybe twenty Limerick players in the pitch. It was so for me. A lot of it was the the, the shape that was it. Like the so Limerick's midfield sitting deeper, um, Limerick's half forward line. Uh, I would say didn't give the halfbacks as much as much uh, latitude or, or space. So Mannion was 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 pushed up on. Uh, I think the channels then that Ian Murphy was trying to hit. So he was intercepted by Tom Morrissey, and Tom Morrissey had two wides in the space of two and a half minutes, yeah. uh, which was bizarre. So, but but like just the channels between between halfback center or sorry halfback center back and the, in the midfield channels were really really well closed down in the second. And in the first half, with the spare man out there, Limerick were at sixes and sevens, I thought. I, I, they didn't know what space to close down, um, who to push up on man-to-man, who to actually leave in space. Uh, and, you know, for me, it, it, was a, it, it wasn't great in the first 20, 25 minutes. But, um, yeah, Aina Murphy didn't really look like he had a great option in the second half. His, it looked like every option was bad. When he went long in the second half, he was destroyed as well. So uh, it, it's hard to know. It's hard to know what, uh, from a Galway perspective, Changed so dramatically. I do know that Limerick up the ante in terms of Kyle Hayes was played superb in the second half, um, and even uh, Jeremy Burns as well. So, so for me, Limerick definitely up the ante. But, but I thought there was still enough for Galway to work with. You're with, talking about Tom Morrissey there, um, Seamus, and you know he was he was taken off right at I suppose what a 50 55 minute mark, and Limerick introduced. Uh, I think it was Cahill O'Neill was introduced yeah, for him. It was, yeah. um, Another manager, I don't think, would have taken Tom off. I was very surprised. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely surprised that Tom, because because of the impact he's had this year, um, he has been, let's say, outside of Galan. It's been in Galan and Tom Morrissey who've been our most consistent yes. players this year. So, you know, I would be. I'm always in the the the, the mind of trust your your, your most trustworthy players. So, um, it was surprising for me. Uh, but it, it's funny. As soon as Carlo O'Neill came in, he made an impact. He was. Really, really hungry to, to to get at it. Um, he really carried the ball on, carried a true contact, and I'm not able to hit the ball on the run uh, from 65, 70 meters out over the bar uh, the way he did from the, the right hand side. That stunning um, score in the second half. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was unbelievable. It was, it really did. It, like David Reedy had just scored before him um, from a similar spot, but David was standing up. Uh, so it was uh, for me. It was, it was. Uh, you know, it, it was it was a substitution that worked. I was surprised by it at the time because, again, uh, Tom means a lot to that team. And yes. He's a great leader, but but uh, it's a really really good sign that that Colin Neal is 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 making strides. And so uh, we, I think we've seen that already this season with John Kiley not afraid to make the changes. So you know, in the game against Clare, crucial moments. You know, it was it was Reedy, it was Adam English, it was Colin O'Neill in that last spell that were integral. Uh, for Limerick to get them over the line against Clare, so maybe it's no surprise that he's bringing off the older guys, you know, at this stage because he did it in the Munster final in a clutch moment. Yeah, no, and, and it's in fairness, you don't you don't give these guys time unless you're actually going to trust them in the crunch because you don't bring subs on in the first ten minutes of the game. You bring subs on in the last ten minutes of the game. So 
if you don't if you don't give them the experience, and they have been exposed, like you said, in the Clare game, yeah. uh, they've they've had in the Cork game, mm-hmm. you use subs off the bench as well. So like you you don't you don't you don't use them unless you're, you're you trust that they're going to make an impact. Um, Can but, I ask about Shane O'Brien? So I was massively impressed with him in the league, and yeah. he was outside the twenty six yesterday, and the chat was that he was left back to his club to play a club game a few weeks ago. Like he was a real standout in the league. But I suppose we've seen with John Kiley that over the last number of years, you know, he, he has taken a f- formidable length of time to get players into the championship side. Carl O'Neill, case in point. Did, mm. Are you surprised uh, yeah. Shane, O'Brien, uh, Shane O'Brien has gone off the boil? Not, not so much because of the like, positions, the position that he's going for mm. um, is incredibly competitive. Uh, so you had Michael Michal Hulan as well had done really well in the league and you know he was really a man of the moment uh, earlier on in the year um you know we've had you know Colin Coughlin is still waiting yeah uh, right. to, to 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 make to make a a real impact in the championship since and he has shown snippets of what i'd say you know real potential when he's been in there um but he's trying to break into probably one of the best half back lines in the country um with or without Declan so it's it, 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 that's the kind of nature of the beast there. So me. you're not putting much store on the league, you know, based on I suppose well, the, the performances those players had. Yeah. Otherwise, TJ Reid wouldn't be starting for Kenny and Billy Drennan would. So you know, from that's that's the way that's the way I see it. I'm I'm, I'm amazed that Billy Drennan hasn't scored, hasn't featured more for Kenny. So that's the nature of a year, and and you plan a year and you train for um, a year. You don't train for winning the league. Um, even though some teams do and that undoes them so it's uh, it, for me it, Shane O'Brien is just one of like Adam English now I was surprised not to see him earlier yesterday because I thought the game was tailor made for a guy like him with his speed and, and the space that was opening up around the middle so you know it, the options that are there are great but uh, the team that face in the final have just as many options off the bench I think we had a conversation on the show last week Seamus what, what is the best way to mark Aaron Galan and I don't think we're any closer to, to finding out the answer to that question because if the Tom Morrissey floated ball inside in what five yeah. minutes and the second goal as well per Porrick Mannion with another uh, inadvertent kind of uh, attempt at clearance that leads to a goal um, but Galan was just supreme uh, it's just it's it, it's quite frustrating for me and, and I don't listen everybody's entitled to their like, to, to, to manage a team the way they want but like I, I don't know why Garold McInerney is in full back there I, I don't know and, and it's not a, it's not a particularly anything on Garold because I think he's one he's a superb centre back and has been and proven it uh, but Dottie Burke played really well yesterday centre back and I just think his influence would have been far better felt at, at the edge of the square um, and Gillan is in, he's such a difficult guy to mark because he's got like he's he's got the physical tools he's six foot two He's, you know, he's exceptionally strong. Um, and in the air, he's as tricky as Tommy Walsh was when he was playing wing back for Kilkenny. Like he's in the air. Galan is an absolute nuisance uh, because you you can't pin down his hands, and he's 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 definitely trying to influence you uh, in as the ball is coming down, and he's got a great focus then when the ball arrives and just to snatch it. So playing him from the front is a very dangerous thing to do. Uh, McInerney probably found that. Uh, and even in the first half, uh, the first first ball of the game uh, between Limerick and Clare, um, I'm trying to think, was it the Munster final or was it the the, the the group game? And I think it was the Munster group game. It was the Munster group game in Gaelic grounds. Uh, the first ball of the game was a long ball into Glenn. He caught it, fed it off to Flanagan, and Flanagan actually he was saved well by Quilligan. But he he does it on the regular, so he's uh, it's a threat. His aerial threat is is 
is uh, is probably one of the, his strongest features, and he uses it to great effect. There was a point made by Ryan O'Dwyer, I think it was on, on, on Off the Ball across the weekend, where he made the point that he felt the Galway players need to bulk up. And I know this, issue, this always comes up when teams play Limerick, because Limerick clearly a very physical team, they're a big team. Um, does he have a point there? Do you subscribe to that as well, Seamus, that maybe there, there's a, maybe a lack of physicality in that Galway team? I don't know about that. I, I don't know if I agree with the... the I don't think that... I, I think to, to misconstrue uh, physicality with conditioning mm. is... I think they're they're different things um, because if, I suppose why I particularly say that is uh, Clare have matched up particularly well with Limerick in the last three years, and you know they've got you know Tony Kelly isn't uh, isn't uh, a colossus. Um, you've got the likes of Ian Galvin, you've got the likes of David Reedy, you've got um, even around the middle of the field, you know they, they, you know they've. They, they're, the they're cornerbacks for Clare wouldn't be particularly tall either. Yeah. yeah. So like, yeah, particularly Rory Hayes and you know Adam Adam Hogan's coming. Yeah. He's a bit taller as a cornerback uh, compared to what they what they what they've been using recently. So, but in general, physicality is 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 basically the the collisions. It's the it's the how close you can get to a team. Um, is you know could Galway be I suppose fitter? Yes, I would say possibly because of what has happened them late in games. Unfortunately, for, from their perspective, uh, but they did look out on their feet after after forty five minutes yesterday. Uh, they genuinely looked like uh, there was a breaking ball at one stage, and, and, and you know there was a couple. Of, it was a very physical time in the game, but you know you really had players doubled over and uh, trying to catch their breath. Uh, and in terms of body language, if I'm the if I'm the Limerick team reading the Galway body language after that period of time, I'm thinking we have them, you know. So it, there is there is something to be said there, but I don't know if it's bulking up. Uh, I don't know if that's the answer. I think it's uh, conditioning isn't 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 all about isn't all about, would say, physical presence. Now, uh, we've got a YouTube comment in here from uh, 91 Devo who says Limerick lads in key positions and the right places at the right times, winning majority of the breaks. Galway need decent sports psychologists to be able to handle big pressure games. Like, is there something in that that the, you know, when when push comes to shove, and these little moments in an All Ireland semi final, Limerick, I guess, have been there, done that in the last few years. Yeah, John Myler, John Myler was you know former Galway manager, and you know, the, the, and I think the comment was made in in the lead up to the you know, this is an inconsistent Galway team from this year. Like, you know, you talk about the, the performance varies from game to game, half to half. Um, but John Myler was saying like, you know, that's not today or yesterday. That, that has been happening in Galway. So, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. I think Michal Dunne, who had them playing consistently and had them playing very well, I, I do think it, there, there is a leadership element to it. Um, in 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 the the actual players themselves, but also in the management team. So, you know, the, I could see Shefflin's frustration after the game. You know, he really, really was frustrated uh, with you know with the lack of progress that that the, the group has shown. You know, this is a team that ran Limerick to a single score um, in Northern Ireland semi-final two years ago, and then you know, a very only a late burst of points made it was at four or five last year. So, um, it's uh, it must be frustrating uh, because you know the performances they've given this year have been have flashed so much in uh, particularly in the in, in the first half of the game yesterday, and even. You know, at times against Wexford, they look very, very impressive in their group against Leinster. Um, looked well, looked very impressive in the Leinster final and against Kilkenny and Nolan Park. So it, it's hard to know how they how they actually put it all together because they've got great they've got great talent. 
Um, there's no maybe. Like, Seamus, uh, can I ask one final question? Are you relieved that it's not Claire in the final? No. Um, Are you disappointed? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> uh, it's, uh, but it's like that. Um, am I relieved it's not Claire? It, like, to, to, to see Kikini in the way they're playing, like, they're, if, can anybody tell me that Kikini aren't a better team this year than they were last mm-hmm. year? Um, I think they are. So you know, the like the the prospect of playing Kilkenny in the final isn't 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 a, an appetising one now. But um, the fact you know would would Clare Clare have been great in the final? The, the only reason that Clare wouldn't have been great in the final is that playing a team three years in the one year or three times in the one year is a tough prospect because there's games within games within games there uh, in terms of players Match-ups. players man marking and you know and you're 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 keeping tally of of things that are going on for a long time. And the sledging that happened in the previous two games. Ah, oh, but you're even, whatever about that and, and the sledging, but you're, you're talking about even just from the, the, you're, you're overanalyzing movements and, uh, and actions that, that happened in a game when you shouldn't be thinking of them. So, uh, no, it, it's, it's neither really because, you know, I was, I was watching the game yesterday and I was, I thought it was an exceptional game and I knew it was going to be a good game. I knew it was going to be tight. I thought Claire would win. I thought that they were coming with a, a bit of momentum behind them for the last, and I'm talking about from t- three years of momentum of finally trying to get over the line and get to the Northern final. But, um, Kilkenny are, are, are incredible. I mean, their consistency and their, and their ability to weather, um, the storms is, is, is exceptional. Um, and they, they really were well worth the, the win yesterday. Yeah, it's going to be a cracking final Limerick and Kilkenny for sure. Seamus, thanks a million for hopping on this morning. Yeah, thanks everyone. Brilliant thanks. stuff. Shame there, former Limerick star. Can I ask you one, one Sarah, that, that struck me across the weekend? I was watching uh, both days on, at, on telly at home with my dad. The hand pass. I know this is a... It's abhorrent. It's a bone of contention that won't go away, but it's like... It's abhorrent. I don't, I, I don't understand it. As in, like, I can't tell when someone has hand passed the ball or thrown the ball in, in hurling. Like, how, how can a referee... It, there was numerous occasions in both games where the ball was thrown. Clearly. And... You can say that, oh, it's a really fast movement of the hand. No, it's actually uh, a throw. And you'd be up at the ball wall and you're practicing it. Yeah. And it is a hard skill. So to be able to deliver a ball 15, 20 yards, you know, quickly, inevitably they're throwing the ball. And the referees aren't pulling it up because there's so much else going on. But at one stage, this over the head thing. Yeah. Galway, this over the head pass. It's horrendous. I wonder, like, is it, is it, is it, because as you say, it's not pulled up. I wonder, do, do teams talk about this in training where they're like, we're not going to get pulled up in this. You're going to save a split second, and these games are marginal, marginal games. So, like, it can, it can come to, can you get the ball away a half a split second faster than. But I know. think it's the inconsistency of it. Yeah, I think completely. Cork were pulled up against Clare, if you remember, in yeah. their game. Um, and Cork were also pulled up against Limerick yeah. for throwing the ball a couple of times. Um, and then it wasn't captured when Limerick played Galway. So I have a big issue with the inconsistency of the refereeing around it yeah. and I think the players themselves need to tighten up the skill. 100%. It was Keane Lynch did it a couple of times. Yeah. A number of players, I'm not the and he'll him tell him And he'll tell you that, it's, that there's a double movement there. Yeah. There isn't a double movement there. You have to see a separation of the ball from, from yeah. the hand. I would love to see a slow-mo of, of, of some of the, the ones that were clearly thrown yeah. because I guarantee there's no two movements no like, there isn't there isn't two movements there. No, it's one of those awkward ones look at we're not going to sort it out this morning but it's one of those that will obviously rear its head in the in the final again no doubt uh, 8.31am on this Monday morning's O2BM the sports breakfast show and off the ball with myself and Sarah O'Donovan this morning
Uh, we're going to turn our attention to matters Kilkenny after yesterday's brilliant performance in that semi-final win over Clare. Delighted to say the former Kilkenny star Aidan Taggy Fogarty joins us on the line now. Morning Taggy, how are things? Morning guys, uh, things are all good, thank God. Yeah, good Monday morning to be waking up to. I can imagine, I can imagine. How are you feeling after that game yesterday? Um, it was a little bit nervy at some stages in the second half when Clare got back and, and, and took that two-point lead, but... Um, Really, just uh, the intensity again, that word that we've used for Limerick, ratcheted up a little bit for Kilkenny then for that last quarter, I guess. Yeah, uh, it was a strange look to the old cliche, Shane. I thought it was a game of two halves, really. Um, first half, I, I didn't think it was a great game, actually. I thought it was a mistakes more so on the Clare side. I think the way they set up in the first half with the sweeper system didn't suit Clare at all. Uh, I was very surprised that they actually did it. Um, they didn't do it against Limerick, um, so why would they do it against Kilkenny? I can understand maybe the reason and that maybe last year we got ahead of them in the first half and they couldn't draw it back. But uh, yeah, that, that that for me, that's where Clare lost the game. And then like the second half, it just exploded. Lads, like, I don't know whether you were there in Croke Park, but when Clare went ahead, that first pint for me and Galvin, um, and I think the 50 and 50 were her first minute, the place just erupted. It had to be four to one for, for, for Clare up there in, in terms of support. And I was saying, we are in trouble here. And the one thing I was kind of saying, I was, I was on local radio, I was saying, if... If Clare get their tails up and get the crowd behind them, they're going to be um, very, very hard to stop. And I was worried at that stage of the uh, of the game, you know. And I suppose you talk about momentum swings and different shifts and, and, and big calls in the game, you know. We, we got a goal and that stemmed their momentum and that was a huge turning point for any point of view. It was, wasn't it? And it was that, um, I guess Shane Amore playing that defensive role left the Clare forwards having to work probably twice as hard, which, which only added to it. Yeah, no, for sure. Like uh, it, it just totally stemmed the way even Clare played. I felt, um, you know, and first of all, Shane Amory, I didn't feel. First of all, he, he played the role well. Um, I think it's after twenty five, thirty minutes, he was actually changed, and John Collins started playing the sweeper role in, in that first half. I don't know he's he seen it, but he was taken off, and he was put to to be a man marking job, and Collins was a spare man. And I could just see like the likes of maybe David McInerney looking up, Ryan Taylor kind of looked up, Peter Dogan was kind of. Stem looking up and there's only one man inside and Richie Reid was in front, Shane O'Donnell was usually kind of the man inside and Hugh Lawler was man-marking him and then they were kind of go, trying to go lateral across the field and it was just breaking down and it was just totally stemming the flow of Clare. He's seen it maybe in the second half where Clare just came right after Kenny. The intensity just totally you know, lifted and they were hitting that full forward line where Galvin was inside. Mark Rogers started to play really well. Shane O'Donnell obviously came into the game and got a superb goal. And the whole tide just there, just just turned, and you can see in the first half, it was just stemming their tide. They were looking, they were going lateral, and Kilkenny were just so ravenous in the tackle, and they were so clinical in what they were doing. They were just breaking down. That last pass was just failing, and then Kilkenny were able to um, start the momentum, and we had an outball to Old Cody. Old Cody was just in phenomenal form. He, he was just unmarkable. Um, he was getting good quality ball, but he's also winning back ball and getting points on the scoreboard. You know, and that's just. Just a, such a hard thing to do as a corner forward. You see Galan maybe getting perfect ball and sticking it over the bar, but Owen was uh, like working winning ball back and, and throwing it over the bar. And to, it, to, as I said, two halves, two totally different halves. And it just felt clear left it a little bit on of the field. Their cautious approach in the first half really, really cost them. So in that first half, uh, Taggy, I was sitting behind uh, Old Murphy, right? I was in the Davin stand. So Richie Reid's looseness was very obvious to everyone in the Davin stand and the option that was, I suppose, given then in terms of the restarts. We talk about Kilkenny not playing the short game in previous years and they were excellent at it yesterday and I think that was probably 
instigated by the fact that Brian Lowen decided to play with the sweeper because I don't think Kilkenny would have gone with a sweeper ever. Would, would you agree? Yeah, no, like we don't, Kilkenny don't go with a sweeper. We weren't <laughs> going to go with a sweeper yesterday. Uh, that's for sure. It's not our style. It's, it's not our mantra. Um, look, if needs be, need be. Like managers aren't stupid and Derek is not stupid. Like if if you'd have to go with a sweeper, you go with a sweeper. But this Kilkenny team, I feel... There's enough of guys there to stand up, enough of uh, kind of characters on the team, enough of uh, experience in the team, and enough of good players to go one on one. So I I feel that Kilkenny were never going to go sweeper. And you mentioned it there, uh, Kilkenny this year, their use of the ball is a lot lot better than it has been over the years. Now it has been coming into the team. In fairness, no, Brian was bringing it into the team, but I just think in the big game scenarios, it's okay when you're 10, 12 points up in a league match or maybe you know first round championship. You know where there's not it's not knockout. Uh, but we've seen it with Kenny maybe in our Ireland finals and semi-finals where they kind of panic and they start to you know, lump ball down on the, on the full back line or the, on, on our full forward line and, and we're losing out there. But yesterday, you know, they, they were taking that uh, 50-50 pass where they were going lateral, they were finding the man in the best position and our delivery into the forward line was excellent. You know, I thought it was really, really good. Uh, we were hitting Billy Ryan, we were hitting Owen Cody and we were avoiding uh, their sweep at Shadnamori, you know, and as I said, he probably didn't play the sweeper well, well uh, role well. He probably is not used to it. And, uh, you know, he wasn't finding himself in, in the better positions of cutting out them balls. Uh, but we were definitely more confident in that playing the short role under the massive pressure of an Ireland semi-final. Uh, and we stuck to the plan. No, we didn't seem to panic. If anything, the panic came from Clare Smallbert. You know, the role, obviously, um, Adrian Mullen played yesterday. You know, there was a lot of doubt about whether he would start, but evidently he was critical to what Kilkenny did right yesterday, uh, pink boots aside. But he was certainly, you know, the instigator of all of, of, of that, I suppose, really clever play around the middle of the field and chipped in with two points. You'd probably agree that he was kind of one of the mainstays yesterday in terms of, of getting Kilkenny over the line. Yeah, he is. Yeah, I, I don't know if you're wearing pink boots and buying all this time. To be honest, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think to be the old gold, the old gold cup, uh, black and white ones. I'd say, <laughs> you know, where are you going, Dimmy Oaks? But, very uh, brave, yeah. <laughs> very brave. Yeah, so that's what Derek has brought to it. You know, a bit of uh, you know, players can do kind of a, a bit more freedom on the pitch. But um, AJ Mullen is a huge cog in the Kenny team and, and has been for the last couple of years. And uh, him to play, and he was in midfield. He was on, you know, Dave Fisher was on him. He picked up Cotton Malone at times. Uh, but he got a score on the sideline, uh, just a phenomenal score, um, put it over the bar on his left-hand side. But his work rate, you know, but even talking to the guys there, like, he'd be in training. He's going, like, when you're sprinting, you're going, like, 100%. He's going 95% all of the time. So he's making runs even off the ball, and he's sprinting, and he mightn't even see it, and he mightn't even get the ball, but he's dragging the player with him. And then he's just get, getting in tackles. He's getting in big hits. You know, I haven't seen the game back now, but I've seen one hit he gave John Conlon and uh, left him on the ground. It wasn't really caught. And the ball's going up the field, but these are massive hits, and he's just a, such a strong player, uh, a real leader. And what he's kind of doing now, he, he he's doing a job kind of like maybe Connor Fokker, the kind of thing that his work rate is huge, but he's chipping in with them two or three points. And if you leave him isolated in the middle of the field, he will put them over the bar. And that and lads have to kind of go out to him then and go right. We have to pick up Adrian Mullen, and that leaves another gap up front for for the opposition team. So a huge cog in the team. Uh, he was getting strapped. I was worried about him, and uh, he trained the um, the week coming up to it, but. We come up to Jeroni kind of poking around. You're not doing a whole lot of physical activity. So he was getting strapped beforehand. I was worried about him, but no, look, a great game. And to miss out on so much, you could probably do the running, but in that match intensity, to come back after kind of four or five weeks and get into it straight away, uh, he's a great player. Mm-hmm. That Kenny strength and depth as well, Taggy. Like, it's probably one area in which they've improved and, and, and caught up to Limerick as well. It, in some regard, like you look at the bench uh, yesterday, Buckley, 
Walter Walsh, Richie Hogan, Billy Drennan, uh, Keen Kenny comes in as well. Like they have some serious, serious options there. Yeah, excellent options. Um, look, I think Derry coming in this year has married this Kenny team very, very well. Um, he's kind of rejuvenated the kind of the old, the elder statesman. He could have came in and made a big statement and dropped one or two guys and said, "I'm in. This is my team, my panel." But he didn't. He came in. And he kind of, if anything, he's rejuvenated the older guys. He's, well, if you uh, look at Conor Fogarty's uh, stop yesterday, I think Owen Murphy thought he was going to save the ball and, and Fogarty's in before him. Yeah. You know, that's the discipline and the drive that's there in that setup. So Fogarty would probably be a player you're talking about there. Fogarty, uh, Walter Welsh coming on the last day. Uh, Richie Hogan even coming on yesterday. You know, obviously caught for a little bit of pace, but you know, just that little bit of cuteness. And come on, Killian Buckley, you know, Killian Buckley haven't seen a whole lot of game time in the last two or three years, never mind this year. You know, he's been in and out, he's been nip up with injuries, but he came on uh, at the bench and that that's another thing. He's getting married today for the air, so I don't know what's gonna happen there. Jesus Christ, um, so that was a that was a bad mistake. You're talking about John Conlon's oh, uh, brother getting uh, getting married, but I think that yeah, he's uh, he's down for the Saturday beforehand, so I don't know what's gonna happen. It's, it's crazy. Um but yeah, he has rejuvenated and then he slipped in the likes of David Blanchfield, he slipped in the likes of Tom Phelan there into wing forward without any kind of fuss. Um, you know, Billy Drennan has up to come on, Timmy Clifford is on the panel. And, you know, and, and I won't say the guys are nearly happy to come off the, the bench and, and do a job, but they seem to be coming off the bench and making an impact. And that means they're kind of happy, in, you know, happy in, say, coming on and making a difference. And it's about the panel. It's about the spirit. And I think the Lens, I think the Lens are finals after helping that immensely. Uh, the manner in which they wanted, the last time I seen uh, Kilkenny management team jumping around after winning the Leinster final was a long, long time ago. And I think that really brought them together in terms of spirit, uh, in terms of like, you know, obviously the night enjoyed it, Monday enjoyed it. And I think it really, really brought them together. Um, you know, so as a panel, I, I think they're, they're really, really together. I think they're really, really good spirit. They're coming up against a juggernaut now in two weeks time. Uh, but yeah, for, for me, the bench, big difference yesterday towards Claire's bench, you know, Brian Lawn took a long time there before he made changes. Derek was making changes 10 minutes into the second half because he knew they were coming at us, you know, but on Walter Walsh, as you said, Killian Buckley, uh, Parig Walsh, um, Richie Hogan, you know, and they all, Killian Keen Kenny came on, got a point. They all made a bit of a difference. That that was one key factor, you know, and a lot of key factors yesterday. Old Murphy save, lads. Oh, I don't know. It's it's one of the greatest things I've ever seen in Crow Park. Uh, just phenomenal. Um, you know, for, first of all, for Peter Duggan, who actually played very well yesterday in fairness to him. Um, when he just volleyed, I was there, oh, goal. Like, straight, <laughs> straight away, that, yeah. that's a goal. It has to be. Uh, because, even the manner amount of players that was in front of Owen Murphy, you know, even the time to get to see that ball. And then his athleticism just to kind of jump jump off the ground and, and get it, and not even stop it, not even get a hurl to it. Yeah, if you look at it back, he, he got a little flick to his wrist to even flick it up that little bit more higher, just onto the crossbar. And, uh, you know, it just, it was the save, has been said, the right save for the ages. It was just, and Owen Murphy, like, gee, he just... Well, you can, send, you can send the all-star in the post at Lenmore at this stage, can't you? Oh, look, it's there. Yeah, no, 100%. It's in the back pocket. Uh, no, no better man. And a uh, lovely chap as well. And, uh, and that, that was one save. And then he made another brilliant save as well in, in the first half, you have to remember as well. Um, you know, and his puck outs, um, everything. And he catching balls. There's a ball going over the bar and he caught it. Um, uh, it was dropped. looks like dropped short. But he actually caught it. It was going over the bar and he, he just leapt off his feet and caught it. Um, just superb. But lads, that that's... That save, um, I've never seen that in like it. One of the best saves I've ever seen in Crawford. And in the in the context of the game, of, of where the match was at, uh, in the enormity of the match itself, semi final, uh, it had a, it had everything. I was saying to the lads that in that split second, the whole stadium went eerily quiet because no one knew where the ball was after Peter Duggan had volleyed it, and then it 
it went in nearly into fast forward when they realised that he had done this incredible thing. But yeah. aside from the incredible save and something that's probably gone under the radar is TJ Reid is now all-time top scorer with another incredible performance yesterday and a real battling performance. Yeah, for sure. And I suppose that was another aspect maybe of the win. How clinically could Kenny were? Um, the big players uh, stood up. Uh, Owen Murphy in the goal, uh, TJ Reid. Um, Owen Cody stood up Adrian Mullen you know Conor Fogarty these lads were just immense but TJ Reid lads what I seen him doing yesterday the man is 36 years of age next year um, he was on the 14 yard line clearing balls getting fouled uh, he was catching ball he was bringing players into the game he was winning frees he was scoring unbelievable frees like, it, it just looked so easy for him but he was on his own 65 he was below he was on the um, 70 yard line and he was putting balls over the bar and the man was just rolling back the years just so humble uh, it, it, as a person himself. It's just second nature to him now to be turning up into these games and, and doing what he's doing. It was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, 12 points, I think, in total. Sideline cuts, then you can throw it in for, for a bit of crack there towards the end <laughs> <laughs> to, go two, to go two points up. Um, it was absolutely phenomenal uh, what he did. Uh, all-time scorer now. Um, no, no better man deserves it better. Uh, at the beginning of the year, you know, he was kind of uh, struggling for a bit of match uh, fitness, but we knew that the more matches TJ gets into him, the better he will get. And we need a massive one for him, obviously, in two weeks' time. But just in yesterday's performance, he was just absolutely phenomenal. And then the lad beside him, you know, it's, it's hard to believe a small club like Kenny, like Bally Hale, and they're producing a TJ Reid and an Owen Cody and an Adrian Mullen. Like, that would take massive stopping in any club scene. Uh, I thought Owen Cody was just phenomenal. 1 5 from play, um, you know, everything, the goal, even they got. And, and you talk about work rate, you talk about, I suppose, at the breakdown of the game and um, you know the, the way they set up uh, matchups Mikey Butler did a great job on, on Tony Kelly once again um, but you talk about the, the, the things that win matches and I suppose managers want to talk about hooks blocks uh, possessions uh, winning their own ball you know all the kind of the, the cliche stuff really and the easy talk about stuff but that goal came from Billy Ryan who was probably not um, having a brilliant game uh, up front but was doing his job in terms of getting flicks he got that uh, little flick in and Albeit a, a risky mistake from um, you know Rory Hayes to come out with the ball and try to run it out, um, but what do you do? Do you lump it long and be given out to just hitting aimless ball down the field, or do you stick to your game plan and try to run it out and just got caught? And uh, Owen Coy didn't have enough of time, um, but buried in the back of the net. And if you look even at the Galway game the other night, not to go away from the Kenny game, the, the smallest of margins and, and the the smallest of um, you know things wins matches. Um, if you look at the save Owen Murphy made, came off the hurl, off the crossbar, and Hugh Lauder got a, a, a bit of a, a bit of a hit to clear kind of the lines more so. You know, got it out enough so, so the goal wasn't on. Cotton Mannion yesterday got a flick, or on Saturday even, sorry, got a flick. wasn't um, didn't even look to where he was hitting it, and it came to Glant buried in the back of the net. And then the goal chance maybe Connor Whelan um, missed. Well, it was more of a save, maybe more so from uh, Casey that the hand pass, it was just maybe three seconds, that little bit high, it looped up and Conor Whelan had to wait for it to come down, allowing the defence to get back and kind of cover. If that hand pass was just like maybe TJ's, just inch perfect, that could have been a, a goal, you know. And they're the fine margins of win matches and they're the things maybe that Claire missed out on um, on, on yesterday was that the clinical of Kilkenny uh, taking their uh, the right option at the right time, you know, there was there was wide, Claire only drove nine wide, but still Kilkenny only drove six wide. No, you talk about such fine margins in big games. Yeah, I think they're twenty three wides in the in the, the same fixture last year, so clearly different from that perspective. Um Shane O'Donnell, brilliant game as well. Taggy and probably unlucky, you know, when someone has a performance like that in Croke Park in a semi final and they're on the losing side, it's it's disappointing. Uh were you 
Were you surprised on 70 minutes to see Aaron Shanahan coming into the fray so late? Obviously, I don't know if he was carrying a knock or whatever. I don't think he was. But uh, some of the decision-making from that regard by, uh, by Brian Lohan. Has put him in the red in the performance Maybe rankings. Maybe that's why, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but were you surprised to see that, Taggy? Uh, look, I was. Yeah, I, I, I really was. Um, I, I thought uh, a few changes. I thought, first of all, at half-time, that, look, they had to change the whole system, uh, and they did. Uh, they went away from um, the sweeper system. I was very surprised that they didn't um, bring guys off the bench. Um, I, I, I couldn't understand it. Aaron Sharon, for me, is a kind of guy that comes on, and he's a target. And if, if, if you're looking for goals, and if you're looking to win the matches, if you had Aaron Sharon and Peter Duggan in there, that's a, that's definitely an out-ball. Um, he's done it in the past. He's got big goals. He's a ball winner. Uh, he can create havoc in that full forward line. And just to bring in something different, you know, just, just to shake it up because, you know, Claire were getting to grips of the game, but Kenny kept coming back at him. And, and they weren't really, you know, getting that two, three points ahead. So why not make the change? And, and look, if you look at the flip side, Derek made changes very, very quick. He emptied his bench, used five subs. Um, I, I think that Claire only used two, maybe three subs yesterday. I, I'm not too sure. Um, but look, it goes in training, uh, I suppose, as well, guys. You have to see, like, was he going well in training? Was he not? Um, was it just kind of pluck him out of the stand for the sake of it? But I wouldn't put Aaron Shannon on just for that out ball. And if they're looking for a goal and they needed a goal um, towards the end of that game, they weren't going to win it by, by getting points. Um, he was the man to put on. So maybe um, decision-making there uh, was a bit slow. We've seen it in the Munster final where um, Hayes on Galan, like it should have been changed for me after 20, 25 minutes and, and to, he was left on. But look, it, it's easy me talk here on a Monday morning uh, when they're in the heat of battle. And I find sometimes when, when they're on the sideline, for me anyway, it's actually very hard to see kind of sometimes what's going on in the pitch. I like to be like uh, 10 seats up with a, with a bit of height so I can kind of have an overview of the match. So but definitely change, changes there um, should have been made, I felt. I was asking Jackie Tyrrell on Saturday how he'd deal with Gillan, right? And he basically put out, took out a copybook and tried to draw a diagram, okay? He was <laughs> going to play him from the front, from the side, from the left, from the right. There was a fella coming in behind. It was all... There's, I only, was, there's, only, there's only one way Jackie Tyrrell would play Gillan now. And I think we know what way that would be. He'd be trying to shove him over that side like every minute he'd, he'd get. And I'd say he'd still love the chance. Yeah, I could yeah. see him itching to get in. But, you know, the, the shift now focuses to... Limerick, doesn't it? And uh, I suppose what what you can do to to suffocate the likes of Gillan, and uh, would you be worried? Yeah, uh, I'm worried about Gillan. I'm worried about Flanagan. I'm worried about Hegarty. I'm worried about Lynch. <laughs> I'm worried about. <laughs> I'm worried about eighteen or nineteen uh, guys there in the green jersey. To be honest, uh, look, I'm going to enjoy this clear one anyway for at least twenty four hours, and uh, I, I might sit down and think about it tomorrow. But look, look, Gillan. Uh, I think Gillan is uh, he's in for hurler of the year. Uh, I think with Owen Cody. Uh, I think whoever wins the Ireland will probably end up picking it up. Um, it depends on the Ireland farmers, uh, of course, but the two boys are in the serious form. Galan is unmarkable. Um, he, he's getting quality ball in. Um, I think you have to stop at that source. Easier said than done. Uh, you, you say stop at that source. He saw the goal he got against uh, Galway. He caught the ball over Dahi Burke. Not an easy thing to do. That was a 50-50 ball, realistically. And that's Galan coming in, just being cute and catching it. Uh, the man's on fire, but I still think he is making that Limerick uh, team tick. Um, not just because of the match on Saturday night. If you're wrong with him, that Limerick maybe haven't been going as strong as they were. Uh, he was the out. He was the out guy. He was keeping them uh, ticking over um, when they weren't playing that well, and he was getting scores. The man is the man is phenomenal. One of the greatest corner forwards I've ever seen, and I suppose a clip bed corner forward myself. But he, his ability just to kind of have one touch into the hand, three steps, and it's either a goal or over the bar. Um, 
You know, that that's that's serious, serious hurling. And he's collecting the ball around the 21. Like, I like, like Conor Ford, and he must be starting literally on the end line then. And he must be timing his run so much because you're... When you're a corner forward, you're making a run and sometimes the ball is delayed maybe that three or four seconds. Next thing you're on the 21 and you're collecting the ball around the 40. Uh, that's no good really because you're out the field and trying to get the score then it's just harder. So his timing of the run, his lateral kind of running of which he's, and, and, and his ability to know, this is just playing with a team for so long that the ability, you know, he's going to know where that ball is going to be. That It's just all in sync at the minute. It's just all flowing for him. So he's, Tell you, he's starting his run on the goalpost. <laughs> So yeah, no, he's he's he actually his ankle is touching the goalpost on some instances, and I was, this this season I've had the pleasure of watching a lot of Munster Championship games in in the stadium, and his run is so deep. And I, I had said that to Jackie as well, and he said, "Well, sure, look, he's making so much space for himself because, as you said, if you're starting your run on the twenty-one and you're going out to the forty, you're eating into the space that you're trying to create for yourself. So that goalpost start is a game changer. You know, it's." Oh, absolutely like if oh, Murphy now he wants to be strapped into that goal post if he could and preventing his, uh, preventing his runs but that, that's it he's starting from so deep and he's collecting the ball in the danger area of the 21 and uh, his first touch is immense he's brilliant in the air he's a very 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 strong guy uh, his hurl is I think a, a 32 inch 33 inch he's nearly unhookable um, he's, he's bringing guys into the game he's seen his little uh, deft touch there for Flanagan there just one touch onto Flanagan bang over the bar so uh, as a unit they're playing very well and uh, look Limerick are just a different juggernaut altogether. They're actually they, they they got so much better in that second half. They were actually getting more physical. They were getting stronger. They were getting more confident. Albeit that Galway went out of the game for the last fifty minutes completely, but still, look, they're they're just a different different animal, and they're going for four in a row. I suppose just to whet the appetite of small bit. Uh, <laughs> where the last team that done the four in a row was Kilkenny, and uh, look, Kilkenny are in the Ireland now, and they will, they won't want uh, a Limerick team to to match the record of four in a row. So the little bit of motivation or a little bit of media there for you. For the That's the chip on the shoulder that Owen yeah. Cody was talking about <laughs> yesterday. I think uh, you're feeling yeah. very hard done by there up in Leinster with all of your uh, anti-Leinster bias. <laughs> I think that, yeah, look, I think it came out a little bit in Owen's speech maybe about the, the talk about Munster hurling and now the Ireland is uh, Limerick and Ke- Kenny again. Uh, but look, the Munster Championships was just brilliant. Like It, it was point for point. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was just phenomenal. It's just a standard of the teams in Munster are uh, a little bit better than the standard of teams in Kilkenny, but when you come down to the Kilkennys and the Galways, they can definitely compete with Munster teams. And you see Noel Coy there, small but all right, uh, kind of in between the lines. If you read between the lines, you could see it coming out with small but all right. Yeah, <laughs> there was no, no lines, so. Taggy. There was no, no, no lines. Yeah. Yeah. Can, I, can I finally ask you, Taggy, before we let you go, um, the, from a Kilkenny perspective, what did you make of the refereeing performance yesterday? Ah, look, I, I thought his, um, I thought he was relatively good. Um, look, obviously the big call was, was the goal that was disallowed. Um, but I felt I was looking at, I felt that they, they gave him the ball was hit in. Hugh Lauder, yes, he was, he, he caught the ball and dropped it, and the whistle was blown. And I just felt that the whistle was gone that millimeter of a second before uh, he latched onto it and, and before the goal. I, I felt even Lawler kind of maybe stopped his run slightly. Because he just, he, whether he heard the whistle or he just felt that they were going to get the advantage and, and it was a free. So that, that's obviously the big talking point. I know Alone came out and he was kind of giving out about the referee and things like that. I thought overall um, his display was relatively good. 
yes, we won the game. If we lost the game, I would have said the same, to be honest. Fair. Okay. I believe you. I believe I you. I don't. <laughs> Taggy, great stuff as always. Thanks a million. Thanks, Taggy. Thanks, lads. All right. Thank you. Brilliant stuff in Taggy Fogarty, former Kilkenny hurler there with us at 8.55am on this Monday morning's O2BM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball with myself, Shane Hannon, and Sarah O'Donovan on this uh, Monday morning with you. Now we're going to turn our attention now to Matters Football and I'd like to say Vinny Perth joins us in studio. Morning Vinny. Morning, how are we doing? Morning, well, how are well. you? Good. It's good to talk about something on hurling every so often. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We've had a literally... From not that everyone here agrees. <laughs> no, 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 not yeah, everyone yeah. agrees. Take no. me back to Croke Park immediately. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've been talking hurling from the start of the show and it's and it's deservedly got its, got its dues. Oh, what weekend, a weekend. It's brilliant, even for the neutral. Yeah. Like myself, oh, I loved it. Um, it's just brilliant to watch. Yeah, sure I love the build-up. Even as a man, man, I'm looking forward to it this weekend yeah. as well. I know you're a dub, so you'll, you'll disagree. But yeah. um, the Lee Carsley, future Irish Irish manager, the way he's going, the way he's going, he's, he's uh, yeah. After clinching a, an extraordinary win for England over, over Spain with a 96th minute penalty as well, just drama. Yeah, no, uh, it's an interesting one because as soon as. As soon as England won, I said that will be the sort of hype train will start, um, which is a little bit unfair on, you know, Stephen Kenny, I would say to you, because, look, um, Lee Carr's obviously done a really good job. They've won the tournament and they haven't conceded a goal, I don't think, and it was it was excellent from them. And uh, I watched a couple of the games and it was really good. But he's dealing with probably the most talented under-21 squad in the world and it's just another tick in the box of his career and his development. And... Um, you know, we always look at stuff with green tinted glasses here when it comes to football. But what I will say about it is, um, you know, his own personal development. We don't know what that is, looks like, and to come over to Ireland and manage Ireland, if that job comes up, what's the salary? What salary can he get in the UK? What's his own development? He'd probably earn more money in a Championship club, for argument's sake. Yeah. So it's a long way down pressure. the road. Less yeah. pressure if yeah. he has to take a championship. Yeah, and, and the Irish job has to you be look at the players. Himself. You look at the players he's dealing with. I mean, Harvey Elliott and Curtis Jones, two household names for many Liverpool fans. I think they play week in, week out for Ireland or when we got together. So mm. uh, it's yeah. Look, he's done a really good job. Anthony Gordon was the main centre forward or, or played up front for them. So tactically, he got some stuff right as well that worked. But they've got some extremely talented players in that group and. Yeah, he's done what what was probably expected. Like not winning the tournament would have been deemed as 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 failure. And you compare their twenty ones to the Irish twenty ones, chalk and chase. Yeah, completely. I don't know if we've been talking about to you since uh, the couple of Irish transfers, Premier League transfers were were completed in the last week or so. Uh, Nathan Collins, of course, to, to Brentford, and Shadozi Obenya to uh, to Luton Town. The Obenya one in particular came as a bit of a surprise. I didn't maybe expect that he'd get a. A Premier League switch, although we we, we all yeah. probably in this country feel he's 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 uh, worthy of it. But two good moves, yeah, two really good moves. I think Chidozi one's interesting because you'd imagine Luton won't have a lot of the ball at different stages as they go up to the Premiership, and I think his sort of pace and his ability to play in a couple of positions mean he'll be one that will be fascinating for us to watch from an Irish perspective in terms of his counter-attacking uh, play, whether he plays as a wing-back or he can play up front on his own at different stages f- for Luton. So that will be a really interesting It's a brilliant opportunity for him to sort of one good season, no matter how Luton do, w- would really um, put him in a good place. And he was a free agent as well, so he's been really clever and picked a really good move for himself. Um, so I'm really excited to see how that one works out. Again, use the language on the Irish team. Green to the classes. We expect... We think really highly of these players, but 
um, in England they're, they're seeing them week in week out and it's it's such a hard like to be a premiership footballer now you've got to be an exceptional footballer mm. I don't think that was always the case like to be in the to be involved in any of the squads with in, in the top six now you're 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 not far off world class whatever that word means but uh, so to be in that elite level is a huge move from and particularly where he's come from I remember scouting for Limerick back in the day and we tried to sign him at Dundalk <laughs> and now he's a premiership player and it just shows you how football is is so uh, and sport at the highest level is yeah. you know well uh, it's probably a David moments. Myler kind of scenario yeah. who who ends up in the same situation mm. you know, yeah, 10 years Ke- ago Kevin Doyle is another mm. good example from Cork where I would have played against Kevin and to be honest, I wouldn't like he was good, but he wasn't. And then all of a sudden, he's twenty goals in the Premiership yeah. within a year or two. Sure. So football's like that. How does that happen? Like you get a standout player, sometimes at the juvenile level or underage level, even under fifteen, sixteens that that don't quite make it, and then lads who are maybe even considered the fifth or sixth best player on their on their team at junior football level, and then they end up yeah. making it's just late development, maybe. It, it, it is so. Um, it's I was. Something, something off script but I was listening to something who old was Obama when he became president and Trump was 70 there's probably 20 everyone's moment comes at different stages <laughs> in their right, life that was off script yeah, yeah, yeah sorry yeah. everyone's moment comes at different <laughs> stages right so um, something stupid that popped in to my phone yesterday but <laughs> that's a fair point but so look everyone develops and, and look you have to be talented and you hear some people criticise I don't know some some players like um you know, people might might have talked about John O'Shea, who was only a bit part player. But you can't be, you can't be a bit part player on average and spend ten years around one of the best clubs. He in was the brilliant world. by all accounts at, at juvenile level. Yeah. So look, it, it is just the environment you go to, the manager you work with, and and football. Like you look, you look at the go back to the, the hurling yesterday the save on the line in the game yeah. changes the game, and football is full. Our sport is full of. Um, sliding big doors moments, moments. Sliding door moments and it if is you look at Denise O'Sullivan with Houston Dash yeah. her career is finished she gets a move now she's a world class player mm. there are these mad sliding moments in soccer especially where you get the opportunity you don't get the same opportunity to transfer in hurling it's very rare <laughs> yeah, rare <laughs> rare. Oh, enough, rare I think that's what her needs it's, yeah. has some, some people, tra- some people transfer yeah. counties yeah. even uh, in and out yeah. but, I, but we agree with you like it's managers environment and these are two incredibly yeah. good moves this year in, in a very competitive pool mm. what I will say about Nathan Collins one is interesting I think he needs to find like I remember being here a year ago and we were discussing whether he was good enough to go to a top six club mm. and I just felt Wolves was a great move for him to go and play play week in week out and it started well from changing manager didn't help him but I think he needs a consistent run in a club and somewhere like Brentford where he just plays 30 odd games and uh, particularly a centre half, he can go on for another seven, eight, nine years at yeah. the highest level, and I just think it's a really good move for him in the sense of being able to play week in, week out. And and the manager at Brentford looks exceptional oh. as well, and someone that you'd love to play for. Yeah, Thomas Frank, definitely one of those managers that you'd be happy for the Irish players to go and, and play under. Um, these European weeks for League of Ireland teams, there must be strange enough weeks to prepare for as a manager. Because I know Stephen Bradley was asked last week before the Drogheda game, you know, will you be playing your strongest team? And he was like course but he's obviously going to say that regardless um, yeah. but then again you know Rovers missing the opportunity against Drahada this bogey team that seems to have come out of nowhere for, for Shamrock Rovers but but you do have one eye on a European game don't you? Uh, the, from a player, players do a manager obviously doesn't I mean the the 
you know, you look at Richie Tell, for example, there was two young lads, Darren Noonan and um, uh, Nugent, both played, and you see the likes of Richie Tell on the bench, and you're like, okay, what's that about? Um, obviously, must have been carrying some sort of an injury. They're missing a lot of players at the moment, and that was a really poor result for him. I know people talk about bogey size, but it's just another draw, and it's like not putting the league to bed because Europe is huge for, for overs in terms of the finance of being a Champions League team is is just mm. exceptional. So the the Champions route is huge. They would have made over three million in prize money last year, and you can imagine any League of Ireland club that's huge finance in terms of building and sponsorship and and building the brand, which they've done so well. So this is a huge week for them. For the players, it's probably the best week of the season. They absolutely love this. It's, I mean, the Champions League mu- music. It might be round one, but it's such, into a, your soul, oh, it? yeah. such a good moment to, to experience. I, I'll never forget, like, when we played um, Leisure Warsaw, um, in the playoff round for the Champions League, like the proper centre circle had the you know the mm. the, the, the ball, the stars, and the, the, stars yeah, and yeah, the, yeah. the music, and we're in the Aviva, and over in Legia was just in a met like forty odd thousand, and then you think you've you think you've made, and I mean that in a nice way, but it's such a big moment. So, so pre- fir- what was your first Champions League game as manager? Oh, um, uh, well, well, I had, geez, I had a couple, but they were like um, aside from Wales, and then then yeah. we went on to the, the sort of the bigger toys. Um, Slovan Bratislava were sort of the biggest sort of toys from a Champions League point of view. But um, what you'll find with Shamrock Rovers players is they get a huge boost. They'll see the opportunity to become a group stage team again, mm. um, and being at European level is. Everything about it is better. You feel better, so it's very easy for the players and um, puts them in a window as well, an international window yeah. to be, you know, picked up. Uh, yeah, if, th- if they have opportunity to progress. I think what helps League of Ireland clubs is it gives us national recognition first and foremost. Yeah. I think that was the big change in in 2016 that I certainly noticed. And um, I told this story before. I I, I was working uh, in conjunction with with Musgraves and. Remember, we played the, the Champions League night and we beat Bate Borisov. And the following morning, I was in the centre on Dame Street. Remember very clearly, and the electrician said, I know your face from somewhere. <laughs> and it was a, he, he came off his break and he had the back of a newspaper and it was a picture of me and Stephen Kenny hugging each other. So, <laughs> so yeah. well, it gives you that. But it, it gives, uh, that, that, that's a stupid story of me, but it gives these players sort of national recognition. So League of Ireland players are obviously fighting against, fighting is the wrong word, but we're, we're competing for for space with you look at the amazing weekend that the Horn has just had and mm. we'll have flash in the pan we're gone now for yeah well, well you, you're actually starting <laughs> to make it yeah, easy yeah. for us to be fair to the Horn they're starting to yeah. make it easy because they disappear for so long and um, like you can you, Jack Bourne is becoming a star and then you look at uh, Clifford I don't think I've seen him play live this year David Clifford yeah. Yeah. Uh, or sorry not live even on TV I'm yeah. not sure I have oh a lot of Kerry games at GA yeah, so, yeah. Like, so this is our opportunity from a soccer point of view with the uh, European stuff to go and sort of build our own brand and, and it is amazing that the amount of people on the street that follow League of Ireland more when European stuff so the casual football fan will certainly have a huge interest in these results and big week for Rovers probably one of the they, they played it in Icelandic side um who will make it difficult for them, um, and it's huge getting through because I said it before when you lo- when you're in the Champions route, um, you, you've got three competitions: Champions League, Europa League, and Conference. Uh, 
and once you as a champion once you lose in the Champions League you go into the next round of Europa League and when you lose that you go into the next round mm. of conference so it's set up to look after clubs like Shamrock Rovers to hopefully have another group stage in them and I think winning the first game is crucial it's probably worth over a million pound easily in terms of prize money this game so it's a huge moment huge moment for the club and for the league and we've got some good draws this year we play teams from the Faroe Islands from Gibraltar and from Luxembourg in for the other three clubs all winnable ties and I really really hope that we can get four wins this year and I think we're starting to get closer to that and we're getting closer to a second team in the group stage of the conference and we're starting to we've got good coaches now who know how to coach at European level and I think that's important and as I said it gives us that recognition that we need Is there any concern and I know this is not Shamrock Rovers fault as such but I was down at Roadstone um, the Shamrock Rovers Academy there last week uh, chatting with Gavin Bazunu and like I was so impressed with the facilities like really really good facilities out there and you know same they get a million quid prize money for, for getting to a group stage or whatever um, is there a concern that the gap between Rovers and, and the rest only gets bigger because of their development as I say look it's not their fault and it, they're not to blame for, for progressing in Europe and it's a brilliant thing for Irish football but could the gap between Rovers and the rest get bigger? It's again it's uh, I take all that with a pinch of salt I mean when, when Dundalk done so well in 2016 everyone said that was it for yeah. years and they won over 6 million and football sport is so you get things things happen at different moments I mean where did the money go yeah <laughs> well that's a big question um, that a lot of people uh, have tried to answer and no one has actually answered because don't know the facts but that's a bigger story so we'll move that one on move that um, <laughs> one day we, we maybe I should write a book instead of other people but look what I'll say to you is um, these things happen like in Hurl and Limerick are the best team and they're going to go on and dominate for the next few years and just something will happen where comes in cycles you get yeah and, and, and cycle will end. Play centre back and yeah. all little moments yeah, where sure. we like we were going to split the dubs in two not that long ago <laughs> and then people telling me dubs won't win for another few years it's yeah. look Rovers are still ahead of everyone else the finance is huge but we've got clubs like Derry City now who are uh, got good finance uh, an owner who's willing to put money in their European is, run is crucial I think Pats um, if they get through the next round their run is crucial mm-hmm. so everyone looks like they can make some money and to be fair what Rovers have done this year in the league is they've proved they've lost 4 and drawn 8 out of 22-23 games yeah. they're not that far ahead of everybody so no I'm not, that's not a concern of mine that's just I think that's I don't, I don't buy that. Um, Vinny, speaking with my Cork hat on, would the Cork City job ever be attractive to you? Uh, yeah, it would. Um, it's one of the, the best jobs in the country. So, yes, absolutely. Are you saying that sarcastically or no? No, it is one of the best <laughs> yes. football jobs in the country. Um, what I like about Cork is you, you talk about how do you catch Shamrock Rovers as a league. Well, you get a good Cork side and you get 6,000 people into your ground every week and you get a good owner and Cork will push Shamrock Rovers with the right manager, with the right structure and the right owner and I think they're getting closer to that. So, um, Absolutely, Cork's a, a, a brilliant job for somebody to get a hold of and I know they brought Liam Buckley in as a director of football and they've won some games recently. Got to stay in the league force this year sure. because finishing second bottom is a playoff and Waterford are waiting in the long grass in second for whoever finishes there. So they've got to stay in the league but Cork Cork should be Cork should be a top two or three team in League of Ireland terms. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
Uh, sticking on with, with Cork. Thanks like, for that awkward question. I appreciate <laughs> <that>. <laughs> you had to have to think about it, but no, to be fair. Uh, Cork City fans leaving uh, Richmond Park on Friday night would have been absolutely delighted to get the draw because I think Pats would be sickened that they didn't close the gap to, on Rovers to two points. Rory Keating getting that last minute equaliser for, for Cork. Probably stunning the, the Pats fans because didn't feel like a game that Cork were going to get anything from. No, I, I watched a good bit of that game yesterday um, in terms just from, from a scouting point of view and what I what I like about Cork is um, they've got stuff to fix there's a reason why they're second bottom in the league and things haven't gone that well at different stages but what they have is they've got goal scorers and Rory Keaton when you give him a chance will will score Uh, and he's not the only one so once you've got someone who's going to score your goals they'll give you a real opportunity so um, they've just got to they've got to get a little bit more consistency in in terms of had a, a run of good games What's not helping them is we all thought Drogheda would struggle a little bit more and they've had a really good season. Yeah. They just need to get ahead of Drogheda psychologically and then I think they can they can probably kick on. So what's important for Cork is we sort of know that, um, how do I say this, Not they're, they're an average enough team at the moment. Yeah. So where's their biggest advantage from most teams that to travel a fair way, way down to Cork? and get the shed full get everyone behind them and just keep that club in the Premier Division for next season and with the new owners you'd like to think and new structures Cork can kick on so it's one of them it's not for me to make a plea for Cork fans Um, I'm not sure I'm the most popular down there from me Dundalk days there was an amazing brilliant rivalry there Mourinho wasn't popular at Old Trafford and he ended up managing there at some stage true but look the point I make is the train to Cork is very handy (laughs) and the road to Cork is really capital as well (laughs) but look um, I'm not doing a job interview here I promise but (laughs) go back to Cork real quickly they've got to get results on the board they can uh, and, and you sort of need uh, it's such an intimidating place to go to yeah. Turner's yeah. Cross, yeah. and that is a bit that can be worth four, or six points to them over the next while, and and they probably need that, I would say. A five goal thriller at uh, Daily Mount Park, Bows three, Dundalk two, on Friday night as well. Uh, two goals in two minutes from from John O'Sullivan and Jonathan Afalabi. Afalabi, someone we've spoken about before in the show, but big boost for for Bohemians and their European chances for next season. Yeah, I think they needed that win. They've got to now back it up while the other clubs are in Europe, the other four that are around them, they've got to get some wins now. Um, it was. It was, I wouldn't say pressure on Declan Devine, but I'd say he felt he needed that win badly. And um, again, watching that game, there wasn't a lot in it. I thought uh, Dundalk would see the game out and then moment, it just it just switched. And uh, Dundalk were a little bit open for the third goal. And um, again, you, you go back to the crowds and different things. It was a great atmosphere in Dalyman Park on Friday night. And that got them over the line. And it was a huge win for them. Um, um, they've they've had a, a difficult couple of weeks, and to to bounce back was huge for them. And you know, you look at momentum Dundalk had going into that game, and then it just stops and it hits a block, and that's sort of twenty minutes. And um, but a couple of big players stood up for M- McManus in particular has been excellent for Bowes of late. So a really big uh, moment for them. And as I said, they've got a couple of games in hand now. The others are going to be hopefully winning games in Europe. And just take away those three points and just uh, get themselves moving up. Yeah, the other two games we didn't get to touch on: uh, Derry City two, Sligo Rovers one, and U City nil. Shells four. I think just Damien Duff just to make ball. a point on Derry, I think that goal will patching penalty is huge. Yeah. I think Derry now because they had McElhenney patching Duffy back on the pitch, Dummigan and Conley who've all missed 
that goal from Patching, that winning goal the other night, is a huge moment. They're right in this title race. If Rovers continue to drop points, they've brought in a centre forward. He needs to hit the ground running, but they are right in the title race, and um, I'd expect more so every- than Pats. Uh, it feels that way to me but Pats have surprised everybody in the results but I, I would say Rovers will fear probably Derry more than Pats doesn't mean that it'll finish that way so I think that was a huge moment in the in the, in the league in terms of still expect Rovers to win as I've always said but Derry that, Patching's goal was huge for them in terms of confidence going into Europe getting players back fit and I know um, it's been a difficult time for everyone up there in terms of uh, the situation with uh, Rory's family, Higgins' family. So hopefully uh, they have a good run over the, the European uh, campaign. Absolutely, Billy. Great stuff as always. You can you can leave the CV with Sarah. She'll bring it down to Cork for you there. <laughs> She's had to throw me under the bus there. <laughs> yeah. yeah We'd love to have you. Yeah. Well, there you go. Come and get me, player. Call Dub, play. Dub in Cork. I'm not sure how that works. You heard of it? Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, but great stuff, Vinny. Thanks for popping in as per usual uh, with us on the, this morning. Monday morning's OTBM at quarter past nine on Monday morning. Uh, here are some highlights coming up in the OTB podcast network across the day. We'll have Michael Murphy, the Dundee Golf Star, who was on across the weekend. Uh, all the hurling reaction as well from the. the two weekend semi-finals and rugby daily as well after the break Alan Quinlan joins myself and Sarah in studio talking the under 20s counting down to more moments like this there'll be no more playoffs there'll be no more heartbreak because Ireland have finally done it they have qualified for the 2023 World Cup finals hashtag OTB Koi Gig approaching 20 past 9 on this Monday morning's OTBM the sports breakfast showing off the ball with myself and Sarah O'Donovan in with you this morning Alan Quinlan good morning morning guys how, how are, are you keeping well uh, wonderful win for the under 20s I, I was watching the, uh, the France England game yesterday evening and um, I mean the way it started I was like oh this is England's this is England's game no they're not going to lose this match unbelievable start but France came back into it but um, from an Irish perspective Pretty pleased with that performance, generally speaking? Yeah, I think they soaked up a lot of pressure. I think um, certainly wouldn't have wouldn't have been the type of uh, first half that Richie Murphy or the mm. players would have wanted themselves. Um, not not uh, if you took away the scoreboard, because Ireland were 7-0 up at half-time, which was remarkable, really, given the pressure they were under. No real clear-cut chances for South Africa, but they were hammering away for, mm. for a long time, playing most of the game in, in Ireland's half. Um, but this Irish side have shown their. I think Gus McCarthy described them as a pack of dogs afterwards, and uh, it was a good description to be honest because um, they're tough, Shane. They're mm. tough as nails. To be fair to them, um, and I don't know if if people kind of for me as a former player, I was kind of going, "This is a team I'd like to be in because they're tenacious and they're." You know, they're very tight as well, they seem to be. And look, obviously, what they've been through in, in the last week, I think for, for Andrew Wall and or Max um, Max Wall and Andrew O'Donnell, yeah. the Michaels lads who tragically passed away, that had a kind of a direct impact into, you know, there was, I think, six people in the in the group who who were in Michaels and would have knows, known those boys who, who died way too young, you know, tragically. Um they were dealing with that and then for, for Greg Oliver to pass away the day before the match tragically again the father of Jack you know it's a lot for young people to, to, to kind of take in and to go out and play Fiji then and I was worried yesterday because I thought you know in some ways and this I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful I think you kind of have a cause 
delayed the emotion game and for, yeah. for the Fiji game kind of it's 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 all so real and so recent you kind of have that cause to go well we're not going out to let anyone down here and we've mm. we've no choice it's kind of like when Axel passed away yeah. in Limerick when playing for something Munster went out to play Glasgow that day you just felt nobody in the world is going to beat Munster this day because it's just it can't happen mm. their players are not going to allow it happen there was a little bit of that the way Fiji presented the jersey it was a lovely moment that they were going to even though they made mistakes in the game I worried a little bit yesterday that, you know, it was four or five days after and the emotional kind of turmoil and how that be processed. Um, but obviously, you know, they had people in, spoke to them, um, tried to kind of talk about it because, you know, you can put on a brave face and say, look, I'm fine and all that. But that's what's so impressive for me, the way they were able to, you know, stick together and, and perform. And if you look at... You look at the scoreline; it's a little bit surreal, isn't it? Thirty-one, twelve. You know, against the host nation, seven at half time, as you say. Yeah, yeah. and their defence and their work rate is just through the roof. I think they make life difficult for themselves at times with <clears throat> some mistakes and and decision making, but uh, they seem to react every time. If they have a mistake, they kind of dust themselves off, which is a lovely kind of mentality as young people. We yeah. see older sports people sometimes. <laughs> It can kind of bog you down, can't it? When you, if you something goes wrong in a match, and you're always trying to tell kids, you know, look, you've got to get over next the mistake, the next, next ball, ball, yeah, or, yeah, you know, absolutely. and move on. And they do it perfectly. They just seem to go, well, let's let's the next action, and uh, you know, you could analyze their games and say, well, certain things got to be different. And I think they've improved as the tournament went on, you know. And if you go back to the first game against England, they 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 lose that game. Mm. And potentially they're not in this final. That's how how tight it is. Which when you have three groups of four, yeah. um, so hang on first of all in that game and, and make sure it was a draw when they kind of had the game won on the sixty fifth minute. England came back and were, they were hanging on for dear life. They've had a couple of sen- uh, sightings, injuries, um, and all the other stuff. So look, they're going to be up against it against France, but. I just thought the second half yesterday, South Africa scored just after half time after missing two kickable penalties by their, their old half, John Smith, um, who hasn't missed a kick in the, in the tournament in the other uh, three games. He missed two very kickable penalties. And you think, oh God, maybe mm-hmm. it's one of those days where things are going to go right. Um, Sam Prendergast drops the ball out and they end up score off the second miss and they end up scoring a try. And you're thinking, right, that's the kind of door open now for South Africa here and Harlan just go upfield and Brian Gleeson scores that wonderful try off the line out and um, they just kick on and and they're they're an incredibly impressive group to be fair and um, it's wonderful to see them in the final. So that uh, period earlier in the year that tournament they played uh, I remember seeing a couple of games down in Musgrave Park um, like Sam Prendergast obviously coming Six into the nations, four yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, in terms of what they know about France from from kind of that experience. Do you think that helps? Um, well, they know what's coming. I think if you look at if you look at France, I, I kind of have um, before yesterday's game, like in the pool matches, they had maximum points, three wins, uh, twenty two tries scored, seven conceded. So it's uh, twenty two tries in, in three games. Um, they bad, got six yesterday again. Um, one in the first half and, and five in the second half and had one or two tries disallowed so they yeah. could have been could have been eight or nine tries um, they've improved a lot Sarah and um, they've brought in a couple of players 
Pasolo Tuolangi, <laughs> uh, who's only 18. He's 145 kilos. He's in the Jesus. second row. He's um, he's a son of Henry Tuolangi, who played for Perpignan mm. in in France. And I, I played against Henry Tuolangi. Big man as uh, well. Big man, big man is an understatement. <laughs> um, he's, a, he's, he's absolutely massive. And um, Henry would be in and out of the game, kind of, but he makes this charge like, and you literally, you're going backwards. Your best bet is just close your eyes and kind of hope <laughs> that he doesn't uh, uh, bolt you 20 yards backwards. But as all the two Alangis, we've seen him play for Leicester and, and you know, for... Um, the younger one, um, Manu Tuolangi plays for England, obviously, he's had a lot of injuries. Freddie Tuolangi would have been another brother, played with Leicester back, played against him in the <laughs> European final in 2002. But Henry Henry played with Perpignan. His son is 18, now he's 145 kilos, so they're after kind of calling him into the, the, the squad. The squads anyway. And um, he's heavily involved in what they're doing, but... They have some. They have some brilliant players. You know, uh, Max Gazzotti, the number eight. What a footballer! You know, we talk about Brian Gleeson and the impact he's having. Um, Gazzotti for for them is is a wonderful footballer. You know, he's and they've so many good players. But in saying that, Ireland. Going back to answer your questions, there, I kind of drifted away there. Um, that game in Cork, Ireland won 31 and it was one of those games where you felt Ireland kind of got away with this. Okay. They they were kind of... The physicality at times was kind of a little bit... Uh, at a level that you thought Ireland were going to get get blown away here. But so is to- that confidence or is that a, you oh, no, can't that, beat the same no, team no, for the year? Yeah, I think it's confidence in one way. It depends what way you look at it. And they will look at it and say, OK, we know France are very strong physically and they're a very good side. They've great speed and mm-hmm. tempo to their game. So if you allow them play, they can do that magical French flair, and they have lots of players who can do that. But um, I think it's it's a real kind of wake up call for 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 players. And if I was one of the players, you're thinking right, I've got to be on the money here physically. I've got to have my mentality right and yeah. be ready for this. You know, kind of up the aggression levels and all that kind of stuff. So um, the worst thing they can try and do is con- think you can contain them. And, and that's going to win you a game. Ireland, and they've shown this, and I'm sure Richie Murphy will, will want his team. They, they're they a brilliant side when they play and when they hold on to the ball. So I think he'll want his side to play and not solely focus on stopping France. France are a very dangerous side. So in summary, France have got better. Okay. I think Ireland have got better as well, and they've got more depth in their squad, Ireland, which is impressive mm-hmm. because they have lots of... Um, the impact off the bench is very good. Uh, but that was probably a, f- a game in Cork that Ireland could, or France could have won. Ireland could have lost it. You know, I think that Prendergast kicks a penalty at the end to win it for them. Um, of course, that gives you confidence. Yeah. That if you get stuff and right, and there's, there's there's no fear of the unknown. Sometimes yeah, you can build yeah. teams you know up what? in your head. Yeah. And you, you know? know yourself, Sarah. Mm-hmm. When you get into finals, sometimes it kind of levels a bit out. Yeah. You can be very conscious and aware of the team you're playing. That you know, they're they're favourites. Mainly for what they've done in this tournament, France. Yeah. They've kind of blown everyone away. They like when you beat a a New Zealand team like they did in the in in round two, round one was it round two? I'm not sure. Round two, I think. Mm. Um, There's going to be hype. Yeah, of course there is, and and people are going to take notice. But you know they've done they've done wonderful the under twenties Ireland. There will be obvious parallels with the 2016 team. The only previous time we've had uh, an under-20 side in the, in the world final. That time, uh, that was uh, a defeat to England in the final, 45 points to 21. England were the host, of course, back in 2016. Um, 
and a, and a few Irish players to be fair came through that 2016 team in the senior uh, ranks but of this current crop who can you see kind of following it, it's that It's hard path? and it's, it's pro- I don't know you, it's not unnecessary pressure it's an opinion for me lots of people have different opinions if you look at 2016 James Ryan was the captain of that team in Manchester mm. two years later he's running out in Twickenham winning a Grand Slam for yeah. Ireland that's a quick acceleration so is Andrew Porter so is Jacob Stockdale mm. so there's three of those guys who who um, started in Manchester played in Manchester and then two years later they're down in Twickenham yeah. um, incredible such young players and they've obviously uh, they're very important players now in, in the pro game Um Stockdale is in the squad but not starting for Ireland but Porter and James Ryan you think they're starters every yeah. time Ireland go out nowadays Shane Daly played um, and he had a brilliant end of season brilliant season with Munster Jimmy O'Brien Will Connors Max Deegan there's lots of more, more Hugo players Hugo Keenan was there as well Hugo Keenan so um number of those players maybe 8-10 of them came through and they're playing regularly now with their provinces so if that's if the, if you're looking at it for a parallel, of course, there's a number of these players that are going to make it mm. and come through. And um, you want me to start picking out players who are going well, to make it? Who and, do you think? Well, and Brian and who's, is who's the not going to make pick, it? Isn't he? Like as a tip man, you're going to put Leeson straight away. Straight away yeah, I think the captain has been, of course, um, uh, Paddy McCarthy at Lou said he's a brother of, of Joe McCarthy. He, mm. He's a, he's a brilliant player. He's played tight in the Six Nations he's over loose head now because Ronan Fox is in tight head versatile um, brilliant player um, really tough um, not just a good scrummager but a great footballer around the field the captain Gus McCarthy what a player um, he's been a great leader for them as well and, and, and again mad for the ball in his hands all, all, all action all over the field great work rate um, it's kind of unfair to be picking guys out here but I suppose there's, there's a number of them all, all the forwards you know Charlie Irvine who's come in, in, in for this tournament for, he's into the academy now in Ulster yeah. he's a big prospect Conor O'Tiernig, um brilliant player as well the back row I pro- I'm, I'm, you know I probably if I was to scrutinise that more Dermot Mangan uh, Ruan Quinn and, and, and Brian Gleeson and I highlighted them yesterday in the match they all had big games they all had big impacts um, Gleeson has four tries scored in the tournament in essentially three games because he only came off the bench against England yeah. because he had an injury in the lead up he also came off against Fiji so it's not even probably three full games um, he scored a number of tries in the Six Nations he's, he's, he's a machine he's powerful um, didn't have it all his own way yesterday because you know you're playing a really the margins and, and yeah. the opportunity of, of space is, is tightening up a little bit and you're playing against a very physical side but right across that forward pack um, they all have a chance um, of, of really going on to the next level it depends you need a bit of luck with injuries all that kind of stuff but they've, they were kind of mainstay that group and James McNabney as well who, who picked up a suspension Um they did brilliantly in the Six Nations and they've kind of continued on in this tournament. The big ones and the most kind of high-profile ones is the Sam Prendergast, you know. Yeah. Sonny Bill Williams tweeting about him for the offload. He's a very talented player. I think he brought his kicking boots yesterday. Which He is, had some difficulties earlier in the tournament. Yeah, like, well, he missed four yeah. kickable conversions. But he was impeccable in the Six Nations, so there was always going to be a yeah. deal, you know. Yeah, of course. That's and I think he's still learning. There's a lot of pressure, everything. You're probably handling the ball... 70, 80 times in a game is an out half. You're always going to have one or two mistakes. It's difficult to get. Imagine touching the ball 80 times and you're supposed to kind of 
have good moments in yeah. all those 80. 70% you know, conversion. So you're going, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but aside yeah. from the kicking, you're touching the ball a lot. You've a lot of decisions to make. And I still think he's learning, but he's 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 a brilliant player. And uh, Crossfield Fint- kicks as well. Yeah, yeah. They were yesterday two great yeah. crossfield kicks. Um, Finton gone um, all action scrum half inciting him as well. And, uh, you know, John Devine is someone I spoke about uh, at 12. Um, he's been kind of... Uh, ever present in his team and so many positive involvements as well so um, James Nicholson who wasn't who wasn't didn't start against England yeah. you know, he's two tries um, right across the board Hugh Cooney who picked up a suspension uh, Henry McAuline there's loads of them it is a bit unfair because you're leaving someone out um, Hugh Gavin has been really good for mm. the team as well so there's there's a lot of big players if you're asking me to pick out two three players now I think you're you're obviously Ruan Quinn is 116 kilos. Um, he's 19. He is just so powerful and explosive with his carries. Like compared to Langi, yeah. Um, he's yeah, yeah. He's he's down. <laughs> 30 kilos. Yeah. Put on there. Um, but 116 or 17 kilos as an open side wing forward. You know, my my playing weight when I felt I was, you know, strong and uh, mm. no problem. You know. Playing at the top level and physically, I wasn't like God. I'm, I was probably 109, 10 kilos. Right, and um, he's nineteen, and he's 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 heavier. seven, six or seven kilos heavier than, than I would have been when I was very comfortable at one hundred and nine or ten kilos. That's seventeen and a half, you know, seventeen, seventeen and a half stone yeah. thereabouts. I fluctuated for for a wing forward. That's that's not small, hefty like um, yeah. But he's one hundred and sixteen kilos. Brian Gleeson is one hundred and eighteen kilos. Right, um, he's underage next year. He's 19 since since Jesus. February. Brian Leeson. So, oh, so he's 118 kilos, but he can move as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm not. I'm not kind of saying it's all about size. Richie McCall, one of the greatest wing forwards of all times, was probably 100 between 100 and 105 kilos. Mm. Um, so it's not about the weight necessarily. It helps. Yeah. Um, particularly if you make lots of carries, so you play to your strength. So Ruan Quinn, the amount of carries he makes in a match, and they're really explosive carries. Um, Dermot Mangan was, you know, he's very powerful and strong as well. He's probably up around 115, 10, mm. 14, 15 kilos as well. So they're strong, powerful guys. But that's just the nature of the way, way these players are built nowadays. Was it the scrum in the mall that, that won it in the second scrum half? Scrum was the exceptional. The African pack were tired, yeah. getting tired quick. Now, look, South Africa, um, they probably played well for 50, 60 minutes against mm. Georgia. And and for thirty minutes of the second half against Argentina, yeah, they were very inconsistent and uncharacteristically poor at defending malls at, at scrum time. So yeah, you don't kind of associate a, a Springbok side who uh, who are weak in those areas. Um, Ireland exposed them, and you know, really, kind of the scrum was outstanding yesterday. Really, really brilliant. I probably won the game from um, that that physicality up front, but the scrum was a big, really important factor in in, in, the, in the victory. So, it's a brilliant pace for them, Shane. They're they're they you know, again, given everything they've been through, um, they've kind of kept their focus and to go out and beat the host nation like that mm. yesterday and get into a final. And certainly, look, they're up against us with France, who are who are who have been so good. But they'll have a chance, you know. They'll really believe, and I think I think they've shown us when the shackles are off a little bit, they they have a real goal. So yeah. obviously, they've got to get the fundamentals right and kind of step up. 
around a set piece. But you're saying the underdogs out. tag might actually suit them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like the underdogs tag and that <laughs> that kind of mentality of oh, we need it. We 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 kind of played a lot with that before at times, and and I always wanted to be the favourites and kind of <laughs> de- go the other way and deal with the favourites tag. But no, of course, I think yes. Everybody believes that that France and are better, are a better side, and probably the best side in the tournament. Ireland need to bring a, a kind of a nine out of ten performance to get a win, but I, I, I think they have a chance. They have a real good chance here, um, and I th- that'll be exciting for them. And you know they've kind of got through. What, what a what a what a, I think what a return for these players if they were to win it. But I think if they were come, to come home and you know, having been beaten in their final, mm. I still think it's been a brilliant tournament for for them. Yeah, Friday and is that final. With that group of players that you've mentioned there, that influx of talent to, to the senior ranks, you know, notably the win on Friday is not going to dictate their futures per se oh, based on the all. 2016 no, piece. Not at all. Is that a very attractive prospect for a future manager who may be based away? Maybe based away in, in, in France, is it? Would that be something that would steer him back to, to Ireland? Oh, yeah. I, yeah, you're talking... I think... You're talking about Rog, I think yes, of course. If you were, if if, <laughs> if he was going to come back here at some stage, that would be a reason. Yeah, to come well, back, they, of course. You look at the players, the quality of players. He, some of these guys will probably end up going overseas because you know they might not all make it here. They might have to go away for a couple of years. He might sign one or two of them. Mm. Who knows? But um, yeah, I think Irish rugby is in a pretty healthy state. Yeah. Listen, in three months we'll probably be doom and gloom merchants again because uh, oh, maybe m- maybe I will if we're knocked Lose out in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Yeah. And the rugby haters <laughs> will be happy and uh, who knows. But look, it's good. Lots of good young players. They won a Grand Slam last year as well, we mustn't forget, and the Grand Slam this year and now in a final. So... Mm. Um, next year's team is better, I'm told. Okay, is it? Yeah. It's always coming. Yeah, yeah. Next year's coming. team is better again. There's a few, again. good few of these guys underage. Evan O'Connell <laughs> is. Um, there's a number of them. Future's bright. Quinny, we'll chat to you again before the final. Thanks, Millie, for, for popping in. Sarah, a lot of love for you as well in the comments. Thanks, Millie, for your help. Uh, speak with my Cork hat on, says Aidan. Sarah needs to be in the presenting chair more often. We don't have enough Cork voices. Tell him I live in Cork. There you this go. Is, I'm going to need a bigger budget. There you go. It's, yeah, it's, it's tough done. Uh, although the train, apparently, as you say, is, is brilliant. Uh, but Sarah, thanks, Millie, for everything Thank this you. morning. Sarah Donovan alongside me uh, for this morning's show. Uh, coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have Willow Callahan's updated hurling power rankings. John Duggan on the weekend's hurling as well. He'll disappointed Clare man. Uh, we've got the Clare blood, of course. Jenny Claffey in studio talking Wimbledon. Uh, Manchester United's latest takeover and transfer news. Plenty more besides as well. Have a marvellous Monday. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball.